Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'll be buried in my Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, keep clapping. Clap for the miracle. Clap for the Christmas miracle. How would we know you want the Christmas miracle? If you didn't keep clapping, welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for joining me on this uh, December the 26th, the day after Christmas. I hope all of you had great Christmases, including my, my, my Jewish friends. I'm Jewish. I had a good Christmas. Doesn't mean we can't have a good Christmas. I hope everyone enjoyed themselves and have a great time. What a blessing it is for us to spend this time together. Um, so happy to have you with me tonight. This, as always, is a Muddied Waters Media presentation check us out on facebook youtube instagram soundcloud twitter itunes and stitcher and i think we're trying to get on other stuff too um we're working on that but check us out at least on those things check us out also on uh, muddiedwatersoffreedom.com where you can see all of that stuff um as always i'd like to thank kroger for this delicious beautiful drinking water this is kroger water purified it's purified drinking water from the kroger company thank you so much for that Bulavanaka. Um, as always, the intro and outro music that I use for this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is by the uh, talented Mr. Joe Davi, who, if I'm, uh, uh, his wife currently is either uh, delivering their child or has delivered their child. Um, so congratulations to uh, Joe Davi and his wife, uh, Mrs. Joe Davi. Uh, check uh, Joe Davi out on Facebook. That's J O D A V I. Check him out on Facebook on SoundCloud, check him out on Bandcamp, buy all of his music, he doesn't have like a terrible number of songs, it'll cost you like 10 bucks to have a bunch of really, really good songs, check him out, uh, Joe Davi, shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him as always, guys, I'm so excited about my guest tonight, she is a social media superstar, she describes herself as the female Ron Swanson, which is about as accurate a statement as has ever been made, um, she makes videos and posts about politics, sustainable living, politics, Farming, politics, triggering vegans, and politics. She is the right-wing dark web mother that we all aspire to be. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the beautiful and amazing Miss Patty Politics. Patty, thank you so much for joining us. 
Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm super excited too. So for those who don't know, and, and you know this, you were one of the first, when I first started the show back in July, and I was putting everything together at the end of June, you were like one of the first of maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 people that I wanted to have on the show. Probably, yeah, I'd say probably 10 people that I wanted to have on the show. And so I messaged you all excitedly like, hey, I have a show. I'm starting a show. I'd like to have you on it. And then around, I don't know, October, I thought, man, she must really not want to be on my show. And, uh, or, you know, cause we had even talked about other stuff and things like that. And I'm like, man, she must hate the idea of being on my show. And then it turned out I had never actually pressed the send button apparently. So I'd never actually <laughs> invited you to, to my show. So thank you for, yeah. for accepting my, my invitation once I actually made it. Yeah. I've, I've always, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I would love to be on Spike's show, but he hasn't asked me. Maybe I just, I'm not relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're just not, you're not as much of an it girl as you thought you were. No, I, I, uh, you can thank my lack of a send, uh, follow through or whatever. So, um, so how was your Christmas? You had a good Christmas, right? I had a great Christmas. I'm, I'm, I'm with my mom and, uh, you know, this is my, my kids first Christmas with their mom as like a whole big family. It's our first Christmas together. And so th this has been really a wonderful Christmas and I'm really excited for the future Christmases, but this Christmas has definitely been one of the best Christmases that I've ever had. That's awesome. So you're back up in Michigan, right? Uh, for now. For now, yeah, just just for just for a little while, and then I'll be back home. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I was talking with Antoine, that, and I, I hadn't made this connection, but this is you were my second um, Michigan lady in in a row. Uh, my last guest, Shelby Susan, she she's also from Michigan. So, yeah, I grew up in Michigan since I was just a little infant, and I grew up in Michigan for you know I'm, I'm actually from the Detroit suburbs, and so I wasn't born in Michigan. I was born in Indiana, but. I was raised here from an infant and um, we lived in Detroit and then we moved into the Detroit suburbs. And so this is where we, where I've been for about 20, 21 years. And then I moved to Mississippi when I got married. That's awesome. Well, welcome to all of our Michigan guests and viewers. Um, so uh, guys, if you have any questions or thoughts for me or Patty, please leave them in the comments and we will let you know if you are right or wrong. Um, so before, uh, be, the, the way I always start my, my show with my guests is, um, I ask them, uh, how would you define your political beliefs? And then also, um, how would you say you got to them? Would you say it was kind of an aha moment or would you say that it was sort of this gradual evolution? You know, tell us about that. So I, uh, you know, I, I never grew up. I, I would, I never grew up like focused on politics. Our, our family isn't, you know, politics centered. And so um, I started thinking about politics, really, when I got into maybe my the end of my se senior year in high school. Oh, okay. I'm only 23 years old. I'll be 24 in January. And so this is not this isn't something that I've been 10 years into. This is something I've been, you know, maybe five to six years uh, or, you know, four to four to five or so. And so I by the end of my senior year of high school, I, um, I, I started thinking about these things because I. Uh, Barack Obama had been elected president, I think maybe in my junior year, either my sophomore or junior year. Right. And, uh, you know, for the first time, it seemed like African, and I went to majority African-American school. So it seemed like for the first time African-Americans, not and, and it definitely wasn't the first time, but for me, the people around me were becoming like super politically aware. And so, um, I knew some people who who were already 
you know, maybe they were LGBT or maybe they were progressive. And, you know, I never really thought about it. And then I went to college and I, uh, they had a, um, a function, you know, how in colleges they have like where people, you know, go see clubs in colleges. And so they had a, I didn't go to college, so I actually don't know. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, like, like most schools have like clubs. And so in in my college, they did, they had a club function where they were Republican. There was Republican club, horse club, you know, or equestrian as they called it, uh, you know, hockey, all that kind of stuff. And they didn't have a Democrat club, but they had a Republican club. Hmm. I was like, you know what? Let me just be different for a minute and go see what the Republican club is about. And I ended up joining the Republican club and I ended up, you know, I ended up learning things and realizing that that conservative principles were something that I agreed with. They were something that I resonated with. And so, and it wasn't necessarily Republicanism because the group wasn't necessarily Republican. It was really just conservative. But these conservative principles were really, you know, they, they really resonated with me. Okay. And, uh, you know, so... I just started being a part. I just started learning more about conservatism and getting involved into conservatism. And, and, uh, I ended up seeing that, that despite me feeling like I was resonating resonating with conservatism, that didn't mean that everyone else was going to agree with, with my decision, I guess. Right. And it wasn't a decision. It was just me agreeing with certain ideologies and or ideology and, and, uh, and viewpoints. And so I, I remember the first time I had ever lost a friend over a political issue was actually on Facebook. And my friends, you know, one of my friends who was LGBT, he went off to Tufts College, which is in New York. And I, I believe it's in New York. And, and okay. it's very progressive and liberal. Right. And I went to Calvin College, which was Christian. It was conservative, but it was beginning to grow. It, it's starting now to grow a bit more progressive, I guess. Okay. And so my friend, he, you know, gay marriage had become a huge issue at the time. Right. Because right. the Supreme Court were they were they were deciding how they how they if they agreed with it or not or right. if it should be constitutional. And and uh he had posted an article talking about if you didn't believe in gay marriage, you were instantly homophobic. And I said it's not really fair. <laughs> Right. You know, I, 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 at the time, I just, I didn't keep my mouth shut, and, and I shouldn't have, and I didn't. So I, I commented. I said, "That's not really fair." You know, you have friends that don't agree with gay marriage. I, we had a friend that was from Jamaica, and she had openly told him that she never agreed with gay marriage, and he had not had a problem with her. He, he, you know, he hung out with her all the same in school. They were still friends. Right. But all of a sudden, after going to Tufts College. <laughs> there was no more of that sort of tolerance. It was now, if you don't agree with gay marriage, you hate me and you hate gay people. Right. And right. so there was no nuance I, anymore. It was either you supported this or you were a terrible person. Exactly. Right. There was no, there was no in between. There was no nuance. And so I said, that's not really fair. There's a lot of us who know you and have been friends with you and love you. And just because we don't agree with some of your lifestyle choices does not mean that we hate you. Well, he didn't respond to that because I think that he actually agreed with that point. But one of his friends responded to it, and his friend came at me with a lot of vulgarity. He told, he said to me a lot of vulgar things, right. sexually vulgar things, 
And I said, that's not something I needed to know. I could have went my whole life without hearing that. <laughs> and, and, I, and, you know, finally, he just pissed me off. And I said, well, maybe if you didn't shove it in people's faces, they wouldn't be so irritated with you. <laughs> right, right. And, and, that, and, and after I said that, uh, the guy who was my friend instantly uh, unfriended me and, and we had never talked to each other ever again since. And he has since then been become more progressive and more liberal as time That's, has gone on. He, and yeah. I, you know, and I, I lost friendship with him because of me getting into an argument with someone else. And then I lost a second friend. Was, you know, I used to walk, I, I used to walk to her house. We used to hang out. I, you know, I knew her personally. I met her parents, all that kind of stuff. And she was my friend. But me and her disagreed about race relations. She, okay. she, uh, she decided that, you know, black people had no responsibility to help make race relations better. It was just all white people. Nobody could, you know, only white people could fix race relations. And I said, that's just not how this works. If we want to have a good society and we want to, you know, protect race relations and make things better, everyone has to pitch in. That includes the police, that includes black people, that includes white people, Asian people, everybody. We all have to pitch in and be good people to each other. She didn't believe that. And she affronted me for that. So, so um, you know, I don't know what sound came out of my throat. That was weird. So, um, so you know, I lost a friend for that. And uh, I still, to this day, I think about... I really want to message her and tell her I still think about her and I still pray for her and I still, you know, but I don't want to, I don't want to message her and intrude or anything like that. So. It's a tough one, right? Like, I mean, so I try to think if I didn't, if I unfriended everyone, if I disassociated from every person I didn't agree with, um, it'd be me and a lot of weird people left. Um, like, you know, I'm an anarchist, so, you know, I can't, I can't, I got, I can't, you know, I mean, I couldn't be friends with you cause you know, oh, you, you think that, you know, whatever with immigration or whatever, well, I can't be friends with you. Like, you know, you have to kind of have some level of tolerance. It's one thing of someone saying, you know, you should be wiped off the face of the earth or something like that. But, you know, obviously you can't tolerate that, but it, it seems like there's just not really any like tolerance for, um, especially, uh, you know, for, for a lot of, uh, I guess, black conservatives to, to, you know, be open about their opinion on it. They kind of get pounded on, right? Yeah, there, there's not, you know, I think that I think that it's changing, but I think that there is not a lot of tolerance and room for black conservatives to be black conservatives. Now, a lot of African-Americans don't know that they are conservative. Right. And you can be a conservative and still vote Democrat. You can be a liberal and vote Republican. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a little bit more difficult for a liberal to vote Republican, but you can be. And and but a lot of a lot of black people actually identify with a lot of conservative principles, mm -hmm. but they still they vote Democrat, maybe out of tradition or they vote right. Democrat maybe out of, you know, maybe it's the only choice that they have or, right. you know, and, and fairly it's fair to say that some black people just don't trust Republicans. That, and that's a fair thing to say. Right. And so, you know, I. I, I I I can see how people might be might be might be a little bit concerned 
No, I, I, I don't see how someone can be concerned. I can see how someone might be curious and maybe they don't understand. Right. But I've never understood the idea that if you don't agree with me, we can't be friends. And now, now this is going to be me railing against left, but I think that now the left has kind of have kind of created this culture of if you disagree with me, it's because you're wrong on a moral level. And for some people, being wrong to them on a moral level is worthy of being unfriended because they think that, you know, your morals must be must be very terrible, or very low if you if you believe a certain thing. Right. You know, you're a bad you person not. because you disagree with me on this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And so that and so that that's that might be part of part of the issue that people have with black conservatives is that they they automatically have consider well number one is that they consider conservatism as republicanism when it's not you can be conservative and not republican right, and not right. even agree with republicans and then second if you are republican it's because a lot of them believe that well, it's not because but if you are republican some people believe that you are inherently bad on a moral level right. and so I, and so for some people and then other times it's just flat out ignorance it, it, they, they don't even really know you know there's a lot of people i've talked to anything about me they don't know my views they don't know what i you know what i've believed and what i haven't believed right and yet they will still come up with this idea that there's something wrong with me even right. if they don't know me at all <laughs> and so um but i mean i came to my black conservatism i came to my conservative views out of upbringing you know i grew up in a religious household and i grew up with this idea that you don't ask for anything. If you want something, you have to do it yourself and you have to, you have to strive for it. You don't expect people to give you anything. Right. That's stuff that I grew up with. My, you know, my mom uh, grew up without a mother after she turned 16. And um, she, she was in, in, in India, in the Indiana hood area. And she, you know, grew up at a time when there were even race riots and stuff. And so right. she didn't have children until she was in her, into her thirties. And it was literally like, you either have these children, you never have any. You know, right, so she right, had right. children in her late thirties because she decided that she was just going to go to college first. She was going to be one of the first people in her family to graduate high school, to graduate college. And she did this with the mentality that if you want something and you want a good life, you have to do it on your own and you can't expect anyone to give it to you. That's black conservatism. That I mean, that's black conservative ideals, and and a lot of people don't see it that way. They don't understand that. You know, mom didn't ask for anything from government. She didn't ask for anything from you know from local state office. So you know that that's black conservatism, and a lot of people don't actually know that. Yeah, and it's kind of I mean foundational to if you look at historically, it's only in the last like let's say fifty years that there was. I shouldn't say that there have always been black progressives, but generally speaking, the vast majority of, of uh, black people that were politically active identified somewhere on the conservative spectrum. And it, it's interesting because it seems like in modern times, black people just seem to have a tough time in politics. And it's probably always been the case, but it seems like if you're a black, let's say you're a very outspoken black Democrat, you have people accusing you of being on the plantation and you know, you're being controlled by the white left or whatever. And then if you're, if you're, you know, politically, you know, uninvolved, you're told that, oh, you know, the, the, you know, you're, you're not involved and yet the, you know, you're being oppressed and you're not doing anything about it. And if you 
I, I would definitely say I, I do say I would I would definitely say that that black conservatives, people on the, the and black libertarians, people on the the I guess the right side or the the smaller government side of the spectrum seem to get it worse in my perspective anyway, worse than anyone. They get a level of social shaming within yeah. the I guess black community at large than you see from anyone else. And it's like sort of this like you were just saying, it's not just, oh wow, you know, I don't agree with you on that. It's like you're a bad person for believing this. And, and right. I'm not a conservative. I'm a, I mean, yeah. I look at a lot of libertarians and say, oh, you know, that's not enough. Like I'm a radical libertarian. So there are plenty of things I disagree with you on. But when I see the level of yeah. vitriol, and, and the same thing with a the progressive, there are plenty of things that I disagree with with a black or any progressive on. But when I see the level of vitriol that is preserved, it's very unique in American culture that it seems like black conservatives in particular get a level of, of, of vitriol that seems to be kind of uniquely preserved for them. Would you say that that's kind of the case or do you disagree on that? I think, you know, I think, I think so. I think the problem is, okay. So you mentioned earlier, you know, that even black progressives are accused of being on the plantation and whatnot. And it's part of the reason why I do kind of stay away from language that, that implies plantation and not to say, you know, maybe there's been a time that I've said it. I'm not saying that I've never said it. Right. But I do try to stay away from it because part of the part of the problem with being black in the United States is that people still I don't know why, but people it seems that people still have a mentality that African Americans are not autonomous. They they don't have their own autonomy, basically. And that they um they do not think for themselves. And this yep. doesn't just apply to black conservatives. No, it's across the board. Yep. Well. Yep. Right. There are black progressives who are legitimately progressive. Yep. They are just, that's just what they believe and that's what they agree with and they will never change. Yep. But then there are black conservatives like me who we just are the way that we are. We right. will never change. Likely we're never going to change. And so, I think a lot of, I'm sorry, you guys will hear my children in the back and so. Um, yeah, how many kids do you have? I have two. I have an infant and a two-year-old. That's awesome because you just, you gave birth a few months ago, right? I gave birth in the end of June. Okay, cool. That's Both awesome. of my kids were are actually June babies. My first one is June 27th and my second one is June 23rd. Oh, wow. <laughs> my birthday is June 28th. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. June babies. Awesome. June June 20th, 20s, 20s babies unite. Exactly. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. But, um, yeah, I think that the issue is, is that a lot of people do not believe that African Americans have their own autonomy. Right. And I do think that part of the problem is the progressive left telling white people that they need to help black people. <laughs> and I don't, I really do not... I'm sorry. I really do not understand. So it's not as bad as you think it is. You're not. It, okay. Yeah, it, it really isn't. Okay. And so um, there is, there, there, there are like, there are people, you know, uh, there's an article that comes out every once in a while from places like Vice or, or Feminist right. News or stuff like that that says, these white people help lives become better. Well, right. this gives white people an idea that black people constantly have a problem that we recently threatened. And I tell people, I say, look, our lives are not a James Bond movie. We are not in that much trouble, okay? Right, right. 
you know, our lives, we literally just like you, we just go down the street and buy some milk from the grocery store. That's right. it. We don't have, we don't have, a, you know, it's not that serious. But, you know, but there, and, and then there are people who just go out there and say, well, black people, we're, they're ignorant and they, you know, and they might have good intentions, but they say things like they're ignorant. They don't know where the nearest voting box is. They don't know where, how to get a driver's license. Yeah, they can't get an ID. Yeah. 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 They can't get an ID. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can't get they an don't ID. know how to get an ID. And I mean, I watched a video where a guy went around, you know, with a microphone talking to other black people and saying, uh, you know, do you got an ID? Do you know how to get one? And she looked at him like, yeah, I know how to get it. It's like, well, yeah, we know how to get like, what? Right. So for some, it's $15 to get an ID. It's not that you can panhandle on the side of the road and get an ID. So, well, and in most, my understanding is in the states that require ID, for example, to vote, they'll give you an ID. So it's literally just a matter of filling out like they'll they'll get there's an ID just for voting or just an identification. It's not a driver's license or whatever. And it's free. Like you don't pay anything for it. You just fill out the form. So it's not even a money thing. Exactly. I live in the state of Mississippi. And if as long as you have a mailing address, you, right. you, you know, really easy to, to do it. Because I remember when I got my driver's license to drive in Mississippi, I uh, the first thing they did was ask me to register to vote. So I registered to vote and I thought that was it. But then all of a sudden I got mail and it was my voting card. Yeah, I got a voting card for free. I didn't have to pay for it. Right. And so you didn't even you know, know it was coming. <laughs> I right, I didn't even know it was coming. So I got a voting card. You know, I registered as independent because in Mississippi, it doesn't matter what you register as. You can vote for whoever you want. It's the same here. Um, yeah. 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 But in some states, if you're a Republican, vote for Republican, that's stupid, but whatever. And right. so, you know, they, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't really understand this treatment of African-Americans as being as, as either being a monopoly, you know, a monopolized group or, or they, that they lack autonomy. And I, I don't really understand. And I think that I do think, you know, this is kind of, I guess, an SJW opinion, but I do think that it has a lot to do with the lack of respect and understanding for African-Americans. I do oh, think absolutely. that is a form of racism. Yeah. And so, you know, I, in my opinion, if you really want to help African Americans, you should believe that we have autonomy and that we have, and that we're capable of creating, creating and and believing in our own opinions, right. without the idea that we're being made or without the ideas that we're, you know, that we're just doing it for attention and things like that. Nobody says that to white people. No. Like I don't see people saying that to people like Ali Beth Stuckey. She's a conservative. I never see somebody writing that she's being paid to give this opinion. Right, or, right, right. Or like Rush Limbaugh or, or Mark, Mark Levin. I don't see that anyone telling those people that they're being paid by someone to tell say those opinions. And you Nobody don't really see that. it. You don't really see it with Asians or it seems to be kind of a, I mean, maybe it's, I see sometimes with women, sometimes women will get it a little bit in general, but I don't really see it with any yeah, other racial yeah. group. It seems to be kind of specific to black people. Like, well, what white person are, is paying you to say this? And it's like, no, I just have this opinion. So I think, and, and part of that, and so this is like kind of on the, this is kind of on the conspiracy level, but I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, a lot of things that we see because there isn't any just definite proof. So it might somewhat be, you know, you know, uh, just opinion, but right. I think some of it has, I think, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's real. I, I promise <laughs> you, it is nowhere near as loud as you think it is. I, it's, it, it really isn't bad. Right. 
all right. And so, you know, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that African-Americans and white people have lived next to each other in the United States for so long. Right. Um, at some point, I think that some people actually believe that they need to take charge for black people, maybe. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to articulate that the best way possible, but I just got, I'm having trouble thinking about it because when I, you know, the way that you said it brought up a really good point that, that this is something that's really specific kind of to African-Americans. Yeah, it really, it really is. Hispanics and Asians this way. Not, not, not as much. There might be some, but I never really see like racial racialized super racialized points you usually see it with within group preference you know right, within right, group, right. but not from outside groups african-americans get this in group and outside group. yeah and so like it's socially you know, acceptable for a, a a white progressive to accuse a black conservative of being used by white people which is not yeah like if you saw a white when you see and this happens too when you see like a white conservative tell a black person, oh, you're on the plantation, the liberals are just controlling you or whatever. There seems to be this sort of universal condemnation of that for the most part. I mean, maybe not totally, but there's a lot more condemnation than when you see, for example, a, a you know, a white, you know, blue checkmark Twitter uh, person tell, you know, you or someone, you know, like you, um, you know, oh, well, you're just being used by the white, whatever. That's like, they get applauded for that. Well, that's why they got rid of me from Twitter, because... <laughs> I did that. I, I would call out white privilege marks. And it were a lot of them to to get that opinion out there because I was right there. And right. they got rid of me from Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I was getting like, you know, they would get 2,000 likes or something. I'd get 5,000. Little old me would get oh, wow. for telling them to knock it off basically right and and i've even you know i've done things on twitter where i've just cataloged everything that someone has said to me whether they're black or white and people would see and and you know they couldn't have that so they got rid of me from twitter but you know it could possibly be because i think african americans may be the last of the voting block the last of you know, if you think about Hispanics, Hispanics are kind of a middle, really. Yeah. Even Asians. Asians, you know, surprisingly, a lot of them vote Republican. Um, Jew, you know, Jewish people, it, it, when it comes to Jews, who, you know, do they, is it more progressive or is it more conservative? So it's it's kind of, so if you took all of us together, I guess, it would be probably I don't know, and I'm I'm guessing here, but probably like two around two thirds, maybe less that vote that are tend to be progressive, and about one third that tend to be um uh um that tend to vote uh you know more on the conservative or or I guess the libertarian side. The um there's a lot of weird breakdowns there because when you talk about Jews, you're talking about everything from like almost. Yeah, from super like ultra orthodox Jews, they tend to vote Republican. They tend to yeah. be very, 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 very conservative. Um, um, they may vote for a Democrat in a local election. Like you were talking about conservative Democrats, they'll vote for a yeah. Democrat who's an ultra orthodox Jew whose uh, political positions, especially on social issues, are so far to the right that even the Republican yeah. Party would would see it as extreme. But yet they're a Democrat. So, but the, everything from that to like the. Um, 
uh, potentially atheist or agnostic, you know, they're ethnically Jewish, but they are, uh, you know, not the least bit religious and are extremely progressive and, and you have everything in between. And that's true of black people as well. But so when you say like the Jews, it's, there's, there's a lot of different groups, but I'd say overall, they tend to lean more progressive. Asians, I believe are, are almost 50, 50. I, I think, uh, uh, Hispanics tend to be a little bit leaning more towards progressive, but they're more, um, they're a little more balanced and, you know, black people, it's like in the high eighties, low 90% percentile that vote Democrat. And I remember reading something and I, I think you're alluding to this, that, uh, something like if they, if, uh, black support for the democratic party ever went below, I think it was like 75% and, and all other demographics stayed the same as they are now, the democratic party wouldn't be able to win a a statewide election in all but like three or four states or something like that yeah and i think i think i think that might be part of what's going on and so right right now so recently from trump's last election black men had voted for republicans more than ever before i believe and this scared a lot of progressives and liberals, it got to the point where a progressive actually wrote an article criticizing black men and telling them to just, I mean, they, the article just flat out said, stop voting Republican. Don't. Like, and, and, it, and I mean, it was weird because this was, this was like, do you think you own their vote? Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was really weird. It was a really kind of desperate, desperate, just please just, stop like, doing it. Yeah. Wrist, you know? Right. It was, these are grown men that you're talking to. <laughs> and so and it, the way that they said it was like as if talking to a child and so it, it was like and it was it was a really meager number it was like if it was anyone else you wouldn't have cared about it they right right cared. right but this and this was a meager number so you know it just flat out said stop voting for republicans and this, this was just black men who who decided to vote for republicans never you know in a in a in a never seen before seen number uh, for for this modern era, which it's is still it, and it was still low. It was in like the teens or something. Yeah, like it wasn't low. it it wasn't fifty fifty. It was still an incredibly low number. But like you said, it, it was, was a very meager low. number. That but was it, enough to scare them. Yeah, exactly. And and so and you know you you know someone has to be scared when they're telling someone to just flat out stop voting Republican. <laughs> just you know, don't do it. You don't do it. You know. Right. So even with and even with women, you know, there were women who voted Republican. And there are people like, who are these women who voted Republican? You should, we need to put their addresses out there, stuff like that. Right, right, and right. So, you know, it, I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Black people may be the last voting block. And at this point, where people are liking Donald Trump a little bit, you know, they it's scary when when they're starting to lose their voting block. If Democrats lose Black people in in a in a lot larger numbers. I don't think that they will be able to really uphold any, not any, but at least the presidency. They may not be oh, able they never, to uphold they, they would never win the presidency again. Yeah. 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 And maybe they'll get the House because, in, you know, the House usually goes to, to progressives and Democrats and the Senate usually goes to Republicans. But they'll never get the presidency again. And that scares them. And it should scare them. Right. Because at this point, people are, I mean, in my opinion, people are really tired of you know, here, in my opinion, here's the difference between conservatives and progressives. Conservatives 
they may have some moral beliefs such as you know we don't believe in gay marriage and all that stuff that stuff can easily be changed you know republican uh, conservatives at, at at an unprecedented level are supporting things like legalizing marijuana right yeah that, that's new that's new for that is new that's very new yes a lot of them right a lot of them are some are actually changing and supporting gay marriage as long as you don't force other people to participate which is That's also a tolerance thing, right? A progressive right. and a conservative, right? Yeah, yep. will say we don't really believe in this. We'll be careful. You know, we're we're really cautious about approaching this legislatively. Progressives are like, oh, this sounds like progress. Let's do it. And if anyone disagrees with us, we're going to dox their address, put them on Twitter, publicly shame them, do everything in our po- power possible to keep them quiet. Conservatives don't do. I've never seen conservatives group up to to harass someone like that. I've only seen it so far with, with with progressives. You know, you don't see conservatives running around the street hitting people with batons because they don't agree with something. You know, they don't agree with Ben Shapiro going to UCLA or something. You see progressives doing that dressed up as Antifa. So I, I you know, that's a ve- that's a very interesting dynamic where um, it is. I mean. It, they don't bother saying on the news that a progressive person is going to speak at a college because of course they are like, it's very, it's very, very, very common. But then when you have a Ben Shapiro or Shapiro, however you say that. And, and I, I, I hesitate because there are both Shapiro's and Shapiro's. Um, but, um, but you know, yeah, I, I think it is Shapiro, but when, when, you know, when he's on there or, um, man, who else? I mean, Milo is, is almost more of a, of a, uh, controversialist than than anything but i mean a milo or a whoever else but yet if there's someone who is on the left who has a very very extreme opinion you know uh someone who's a you know a communist who you know wants to machine gun down anyone who owns more than one home you know that it'll get some press but you're not going to see mass demonstrations against it and and this kind of uh bleeds over into uh what's happening on social media um, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, as you know, uh, and as I'm sure my viewers know. Oh, let me actually let me go through the comments real quick um, before we go any further. Um, Sarah Branion had said, um, is that for the primaries that you can vote for whomever? Yes, that's we were talking about. So in some states, um, usually southern states, um, if you vote, it, it doesn't matter how you register every election cycle, you can choose to either vote. Uh, in the Republican primaries or the Democrat primaries, you can you you can't do both, but you can vote in one or the other each election cycle. Whereas in some states, usually northern and, and western states, you have to vote based on how you're registered. So registration isn't as um, like they don't use the registration numbers down here the same that they do in other states because it doesn't really matter as much. That that answers that. Um, you got a fan? Uh, thank you, Patty. Common sense. Um, from, uh, that was from, uh, Diana Clark Cox. And then from, uh, you have another fan from Natalie Bagby who said, my parents were squeaking along with your child. Um, so that's cool. But, um, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so social media as, as, as most people know has been, I don't like using the word censoring because censoring is done by government, but I, you can say censoring if you want. It's, it's their, deplatforming is what they like to say. They're basically removing opinions that they say it's because it's violating terms of service. That often is not, they aren't able to give an example of a term of service being violated. 
Usually there are some people on the left that are being kicked off, but usually most of the people being kicked off are on the right, either, you know, um, right libertarians or conservatives or whatever, mostly conservatives that are being kicked off. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You would, you had mentioned you were kicked off of Twitter. Um, there was even, and even worse than that is you have, uh, hosting companies that were refusing to host uh, gab which is a social media platform that is committed to letting everyone say whatever they want um and um i just wanted to get your thoughts on that do you think it's sort of in that same vein as you know well we can't let black people be conservative because then the whole thing will, will upset do you think it's it's as simple as just you know them not wanting to associate with people they disagree with or do you think there's something more sinister there Oh, so I definitely think that there is something more sinister there. And okay. the reason that I go is because Silicon Valley, which controls Google, Twitter, YouTube, right. uh, Twitter, Google, YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> that's, and Facebook. that's like you just named 95% of the Internet. Right, right, right. Right. But the thing, you know, it's so funny because I found Facebook to be a lot more tolerant than Twitter and everyone hated Facebook at first, mm. but they're so far, they seem much more tolerant than Twitter. And the reason why, so the reason why I say this is because, um, when it comes to, when it comes to companies like Twitter and, and, you know, I, I won't, I won't put Google fully apart of this because Google has that Google K usually they're, they're not too bad. Um, and it's mostly because they're a search engine. So even if there is something going on, we don't usually notice it. And it right. doesn't make us super angry. And in fact, I've been able to find all of my content. If I look my name up on, on Google, I find everything that I've ever done right, as right. my politics. So they're not too bad. They're not just they're not just wantonly censoring every single search result. However, when it comes to Twitter, uh, PayPal, now PayPal is also Silicon Valley. Twitter, right. PayPal, YouTube, and and um, Patreon now. Yeah, Patreon. Yes, Patreon. Yeah. All right. So they are all. All of them are connected. I don't care what anyone says. All of them work in conjunction with each other, and, and especially Google and YouTube because YouTube is owned by Google. Right. Google is YouTube. And right. yep. And not only that, but they're all Silicon Valley. They all know each other. They, right. There's no doubt in the world that these CEOs and owners, they know each other personally. When it came to uh, what's his name, Alex Jones getting kicked off, he got kicked off of the of, of all of his platforms in like the same one to two days. That's not a Yeah, it was like a 24-hour period he was off of the entire internet almost. Exactly. Yeah. That is right. not a coincidence. Yeah. It's not yeah. a coincidence at all. The, I think it was... Uh, it was either Amazon, was it Jeff Bezos who said it, or someone who it was either Apple or or Jeff Bezos. I can't remember who, but someone asked him and said, "Did you guys like coordinate getting Alex Jones off the internet?" He was like, "No, everyone does this individually. We all came to our own decisions." Bullshit. <laughs> In a twenty-four hour period, right? right In right. a twenty-four hour period, they all decided to get rid of Alex Jones. No, nobody's that stupid. They're not going to, they must think that we're stupid. So, no, I think that what they call deplatforming, I do consider censoring. Okay. And I know, and I do understand that censoring is something that when you have a large scale platform that has so much power 
over the internet. I mean, we're talking about I've got kicked off Patreon. And he, I think he also pal as well. He moved over to another website called Subscribestar. Subscribestar has nothing to do with Patreon. He all right. he did was move, and immediately upon moving to Subscribestar, PayPal took ripped themselves out of Subscribestar and also encouraged other companies to leave Subscribestar. This didn't just affect alt writers and liberalists and conservatives. It also right. affected progressives and liberals. They had power to effectively shut down not just one website, but multiple websites right. that these people are trying to move through. Gab.com, they, it, you know, PayPal and all of them, they had the power to shut down Gab.com, a perfectly legal website. Right. And, and force them to go to another hosting server. Not right. only that, but I can imagine they're, they're probably bullying the people who own that hosting server as well. well I'd imagine so, so. Yeah, so when I, so, you know, th- these are companies that have an intense amount of power over our internet. GoDaddy, that's another Silicon Valley one. The, they, have, they have intense power over our internet. And unfortunately, as much as I hate to think about it, I don't want the government involved, but I do think that at some point the government's going to get involved. If PayPal is going to be this huge service that works like a bank, I mean, they give out credit cards, they give out, you know, debit cards, they they work like a bank. All I can imagine is that if they keep this up, the government's going to get involved. Patreon is going to effectively burn themselves out if they continue to do the things that they do. They're not only saying that they will monitor your content on Patreon, but they will monitor your content off of Patreon. On other platforms to see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sargon of Akkad didn't didn't do the bad thing that he did on Patreon. He actually did it on YouTube in a live stream that barely anyone watched. And what and someone had told Patreon about this live stream and Patreon decided, well, we don't like what you said, so we're gonna kick you off of our server. There were no rules on Patreon that said that if you do something on, on someone else's website that would initiate a ban on their website. Right, right, right. Not only that, but people have gone to Patreon and asked them, you know, about, so they've asked them questions, they've asked them how do they vet and decide who they're going to kick off and who they're going to keep. Patreon responded and said that they they do this by case-by-case basis. So basically, if they don't like you enough, they'll get rid of you. I, I think that's extremely problematic. I think that's a bad way to run a company. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that when they are the only people so far that works for us, I would love to get off of Patreon, but I can't because it's the only thing I have for me to own my own personal money, for me to to earn personal money. Yeah, this is a, this is a huge problem with, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. well, Well, I was going to say, so in the end, I, I think that what's going to end up happening is that the government is going to get involved and start making rules and stipulations for companies that get as big as Patreon. For, for these these five or so Silicon Valley monopolies, and that's what they are, they're monopolies. Um, and they do whatever they can do. They do whatever possible to get rid of the competition. You know, it's just like Facebook not accepting Minds.com links. You know, and, and Minds.com is totally legitimate. But the only thing they do is just like Gab, is that they're more for, they are more open to free speech. 
So I, I do think that the government aren't going to end up, as much as they don't want them to, they're going to end up getting involved because now these companies are injecting their ideology into right. their business decisions and they are monopolies. This isn't just, this isn't like a cake bakery where there's 101 plagues. This is, for some people, the only way that they can communicate with others. Yeah, it's tough and it sucks because I picture, and I think you're right, I do think eventually unless they make some changes on their own or unless, and this would be my preferred thing, is if there's enough disruption in the market where new upstarts come in and, and you know, Facebook becomes like a MySpace or or faces that prospect and, and, and changes things, unless that happens, you are going to end up with government intrusion in the market to make it more fair. And usually when the government gets involved and makes it more fair, it doesn't really make it more fair. They just, you know, I, I try to picture a, for example, a, and I mean, you really want to, time for nightmares, guys, uh, you know, in the future, an uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez administration deciding what the, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we're going there, uh, deciding what the, uh, you know, what, what the, the Internet Fairness Commission is going to allow on, you know, for content, you know, it, it's scary. And so, I, I, you know, my right, because, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I'm sorry, it's just, you know, the ideas can, that's the problem with how the House and the Senate, you know, the ideas change all the time. And because ideas change, so do the rules. Yep. It's why, you know, this is why I'm cool with the Supreme Court, you know, the same Supreme Court justices existing for 40 years or so. Because I, I don't like it when rules constantly change. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, in these companies, and just like you said, I would prefer that these that these companies get their butts kicked with competition. Right, right. If they're kicked with competition, they will change the rules on their own. And they or, will or, stop or they'll die. They'll change or they'll, they'll die. They'll either die yep. or they'll yep. change. Yep. And that's the market. That's how it should be. Yep. And you know, who knows? The, you know, the next company that comes up touting free speech may turn, end up turning into another Twitter or another, you know, or, or another, uh, you know, uh, Patreon. That's fine. Another company should come, will come up into the market and defeat them too. You know, a lot of people as humans, we hate for things to change. Which is the problem, but the right? Reality, which is the problem. But, but the reality is that the market has to change. The market has to change in order to grow and in order to get better. They, yep. You know, companies are not meant to exist forever. I had to come to terms with that when Toys R Us died. So <laughs> Yeah, perfect example. Perfect example. Yep. And, and the thing is, so I've been around long enough. I'm an old, old man. I've been around long enough to watch the internet. Uh, so we had CompuServe. They were the almost the entire internet, and then we had wow. Prodigy, and they were all oh, man. I remember where I was able to download a picture of the green Power Ranger, and uh, it only took about thirty minutes. And um, it's probably <laughs> you know it's probably a two mega megabyte picture, but now I mean, it, yeah, now it's it you know you press it and it comes up. But but you know I mean that was a big deal. Prodigy was a huge deal, and then pretty much as quickly as Prodigy came out, here came America Online, which for like. A good three or four years, they were the entire internet. They were your email. Yeah. They were your browser. They were your uh, search engine through web crawler. They were your um, all the chat rooms and everything. I mean, they were the they were the internet. You 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 got onto the internet by dialing up on AOL. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, it's crazy I to think about that. this stuff. Yeah, and I mean, so then, then shortly after that, then it kind of decentralized. You had a bunch of different things, and then with the 
uh, with the um, with social media coming into play, you started seeing more of a centralization. First, it was Friendster, and then it became MySpace. MySpace was taking over the internet, and just as quickly, it completely fell off the map and was replaced with Facebook. Um, which has kind of controlled things for like a decade now. There have been other things that have come in, and there is some, you know, Snapchat and and um, and you know Twitter and um, Instagram was was bought by Facebook, and you've got YouTube and things like that. But now you're sort of back to a um, re-centralization where it's just a handful of, of websites that you're using, and Google is is where you do all your searching. Um, but the the point of all that is that 15 years ago. We, none of the things we use on a daily basis even existed. So there is a potential for massive disruption in the market. And so I hope there's kind of one of two ways we can go with this. Um, we can end up with the government deciding what's fair, which scares the hell out of me. That's in my mind even scarier than what we're dealing with now, but that's where we're headed. Or we'll see massive disruption in the market. So I hope that's where we're headed. But um, I, I wanted to talk to you about this. This is one of the things I'm most excited to have you on. Speaking of uh, the social media, I love watching your your YouTube videos um, with your with your farming um, and uh, and I, I just wanted to add, so and I think I kind of got the answer to this because you said you grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. The, the farming thing's recent, right? Like it's you weren't you didn't grow up as a farmer. Am, am I correct? I've never, yeah, I've never grown up with any farm animals. Uh, the closest I've had to a farm animal is a fish and a dog, and <laughs> we've had guinea pigs. We've had uh, we've had cat. Yeah, we've had one cat growing up. Um, I've had a dog. I've, I've had uh, guinea pigs. I've had a lot of guinea pigs at one point because they had babies and right. we didn't know that they were even pregnant, but they were. Um, <clears throat> well. So I, uh, you know, I, I never grew up with farm animals and I, but I always liked animals. It's so funny because when I was in middle school, I actually had, I was actually a part of a club called the animal club. And, uh, <laughs> I wish they could see me now. Cause I would not be a part of that club. <laughs> so, you're, um, you're with animals. You're just, you're, you're, I, you're utilizing them differently. I'm with animals. I just eat them. <laughs> And so, uh, so what you got know, you into I, farming? I, you know, I've never grew up. Um, well, I've always liked animals. I've always enjoyed spending my time with animals and learning about them. Okay. Uh, what got me involved into farming is uh, when I moved to Mississippi, I would look outside and I see these white tracts of land. Now, I wasn't used to seeing the suburb. I'm, I'm used to seeing, you know, towering offices and lawyer offices. I was I was you down to Mississippi, and I looked at my husband. I said, "Do you guys want?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, pretty much." <laughs> and so, I, you know, I I looked at myself. I, I I you know thought about it to myself, and I'm you know thinking there's so much opportunity here there's right. there's so much there's so much generational wealth that i could gain from my from you know my next of kin and my my children and all that yeah. kind of stuff right and you know a lot of people it said that owning land is owning power and yep. it's true yep. when you own land you own power yep and, you know, I, I will look out and I think to myself, there must be ways that people can put their land to use. I'm tired of just seeing grass. Right. How right. can we put the land to use and make it better? 
Well, so I I got my first animals, and my first animals that I got were chickens. That's how I fell I fell in love with chickens because they're the first farm animal that I got, and so uh, I got my first chickens. You know, I dealt with it all: flooding, mud, uh, you know, stinky poop. <laughs> right, right, and right. Not one day did I look back and think that I didn't love it. I love seeing my chickens every single morning. I I would just spend hours. I was pregnant at the time. I was just you know when I was able to, I would spend hours just sitting in the coop of my chickens because that's where I wanted to be. And so and and even today, I look back on everything that we've done and I think I'm not tired of it. I'm just not tired of it yet. Yeah, you're clearly not tired of it. I was watching, just to refresh, I was watching earlier today your video of um, growing uh, potatoes in a in a, a, a dryer bowl thing, the impeller or whatever it's called. And, it actually uh, failed, but I did manage to get some bulbs, so I know that it works. Oh, okay, well, good, good. And so this was taken in September. Mm-hmm. You're in South Mississippi. Mm-hmm. which I assume is even more humid than here in the Myrtle Beach, yeah. South Carolina. I'm sure it's about as humid as it gets. Um, and I'm just picturing you out there and I'm like, I can't even imagine how hot it must be. So you clearly love it because that, that isn't something, someone does what you were doing in that video for two reasons. They're either being paid for it uh, or they really, really, really like doing it. I wish I was being paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, really, you know, I enjoy taking my wheel, my, my 50 pound wheelbarrow back and forth. And and filling up that dryer drum and then putting potatoes in it because, you know, even I, I watch the plants come out through the hay and I was like, okay, it works. I know it works. Right. Then, I took, then my cats laid in it. So they ruined it. So now I have to put wire around it the next time I do it. But my cats laid in it and it was ruined. It was like, okay, I got to take these things up because now they're dying. Right, and then right, the frost right. came. So they were really dead. And so, um, we, and so I took them out, realized. They're not dead. There are bulbs on them. Perfectly good bulbs about that big. And I was like, it works. Right. And and even if I didn't get my potatoes, my idea that I thought up on the fly. Right. I was like, it works. (laughs) So, you know, I'm going to redo it because I know that it works. And, And to me, you know, I did eggplants that year too. I did tomatoes. And because the year before I failed at the tomatoes. But this year... I had tomatoes in my freezer, and then uh, I also did eggplants. I had a lot of eggplants, I, and I ended up, uh, I saved seeds. I saved over 100 seeds of my eggplants, and, um, you know, when I got all that stuff, I, every time I'd pick something, and every time I'd, I'd eat something, i think to myself, wow, I did this, and and the, the reward, that feeling, that completionist feeling, you know, right. it, it it was it, just every moment of it was worth it. I watched those plants grow and make something, you know, this tiny little seed, just this, this tiny little seed I, you know, put in the ground and I watched it grow and I nurtured it and I watered it and it gave me, you know, these big fruits. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, that this, this is something that will sustain you. Right. Right. It's something right. That you, have, you know, it's food and it will sustain you. Why aren't more people doing this? You right. know, that's what I was thinking to myself. And, you know, I talked to people who weren't doing this, and I realized oh, they're not doing it because they just don't know. They just right. don't see the reward. But if they do it, they'll see it. They'll, they'll see even if, you know, all the time that you put in it, they'll see it. 
And so, you know, and the same thing with the animals. A lot of people don't understand or they can't connect with the idea of growing your own, your animals for food. Because a lot of people see the furry face. They see the furry face. They see the, you know, they, they think of the nice, you know, the, 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 the Disney in the animal. Right, right, right. right. That's what I call it, the Disney in the animal. And they, they just, they, they see that. And it hasn't connected. Now, I, I've seen that, too. I've seen the fluffy, cute rabbit face. And then I skin the animal after I kill it. And I also see the meat under it. Right. And I put, you know, I put it in the crock pot. And I say, wow, I grew this. This animal had a purpose. This animal existed because I, 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 I wanted it to exist. I didn't just bring it into the world for no reason. Right. And a lot, of people, a lot of people don't understand animals without purpose are animals that don't exist. I wouldn't have any of these animals if they had no purpose, truly. And some, you know, yeah, they sure. wouldn't have been born exactly right, right. Now, you know, like sure, some people see that as exploitive. Some people don't like it on a moral level. Well, fine, you don't have to do it, right? But I see, I see it's part. You know, same thing with a deer. The deer lives out in the wild, and the deer lives out in the woods. I never willed the deer to exist. The deer just exists, but the deer exists for the fox or for the mountain lion, or for me. And yeah, without no. that deer existing, the mountain lion, the fox, the coyote, they wouldn't exist either. Yep. We wouldn't exist without animals like the deer or the antelope or, you know, whatever people hunt. Right. The cat, you know, the cattle that we see, the, the cows that the vegans like so much, they wouldn't exist without the farmer or, you know, or, you know, the bovine wouldn't exist without the lion. These animals exist because there's a chain in the ecosystem that they're needed to exist and they have a purpose to exist. And people people have lost the concept of purpose so much that they don't understand that everything needs perfect purpose. Yeah. And things that don't have purpose are things that are not treated well. They don't they're not given value. You know, people, they're, they're, you know, people, for example, now this might be so crude, but homeless people are constantly looking for a purpose. Right. And people without a purpose become homeless. They become, they become sedentary. Right. They become, they, they might become obese. They might become depressed. They feel that they lack purpose. They feel that they lack value. Well, imagine that for the animals. I have two blue Swedish ducks. They're critically endangered breed of duck. The reason why they're critically endangered is because Breeders and farmers have lost the idea of their purpose. They are really good ducks, perfect for meat and perfect for eggs. They make nice big eggs and make great meat. But people don't see that purpose. They don't see the value anymore. So they've lost that value. Now they're critically endangered. There's only a couple thousand out there now. Because no one's, you know, no no one's like, breeding them or whatever. Yeah. yeah, people aren't breeding them. And now I want to breed them because I want people to see the value and I want people to see I don't want these ducks to go extinct. I see how wonderful they are and I see how good they good and good for use that they are. But 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 people, you know, a lot of people out there now this is changing. I do think that 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 people's perceptions of 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 like of farming and whatnot is changing. Uh, the beef market, poultry, all that, that's rising. People are demanding these things more than ever. A lot of people right now, now this is something that goes up and down, up and down, but a lot of people are leaving veganism in droves right. because a lot of people have been doing 10 plus years or five to 10 plus years, and now they're starting to see that their health isn't doing so well. 
That's not to say that, you know, I, I'm going to put the disclaimer because some people get mad. That's not to say that you can't be vegan and have a good life. But <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who start veganism and they can't sustain themselves on it. They do it because the idea of helping animals is great. Sure. Right. That, you know, sure, you don't want animals to die. That, that's great. However, at some point, humans have to come to the reality. Humans don't like this idea of a cruel and unfair world. But this is a little niche-ish. But the world is suffering. We live in a world that's constantly suffering. We live in a world that is constantly cruel. That right. doesn't mean that we have to be cruel. No, no, no. But, the, no. but death itself is not cruel. And death itself is not suffering. There's a, there's a huge difference between living and suffering and death. No, all so food so, comes from something right. dying. Right. Exactly. There is no food that... Plant. Right, right. There's no natural food that doesn't happen as a result of something being harvested, which means that it used to be alive and now it isn't. So, I mean, that that doesn't right. exist. Right. I, I apologize, but for some reason, my charger is not charging this as a Google Hangout. Can, can you give me like two seconds? I'm going to go grab a different charger. Yeah, no problem. In fact, I'll go through the comments while you're while you're doing that. So, right. um, so we have some comments here. Uh, bias, uh, Natalie Bagby says bias is getting to be so prevalent that freedom of speech is getting buried under an avalanche of censorship, which is, I mean, that that's true. I, and, and what we were just talking about, Natalie, and I, I'm sure you've caught it is that this wouldn't matter as much if there were 50 different social media platforms. So if Facebook was just one of dozens of different you know, prevalent platforms that people had, it would be as important that Facebook is censoring you because, okay, fine. If Facebook didn't want me, then that's their freedom to choose that. I'm going to go to whatever, some, you know, head book, whatever, whatever the, the you know, the alternatives are. The, the problem is when you only, only have a handful of platforms and they're all working almost in seemingly in concert with one another to across the board deplatform people and they're they're going after other platforms and saying and you shouldn't let them on either that's when it becomes an actual to some extent i mean i don't like using the term censorship because it's not a government you know locking you up or telling you you're not allowed to say those words but there is an aspect to that um so that's definitely true um barbara griffin johnson says glad to listen tonight Lori uh, Rodier, I hope I'm saying your name right, uh, asked, um, what role did your political... I don't know if she's if you're back yet. Um, so I'll ask her that when, when she gets back. She said, uh, Lori asked, what role did your political views have on your decision to farm? Huge fan in New Hampshire. Um, Gateway Farm Critter. I don't know if that's your name on YouTube or something. But um, uh, Fran uh, Pliva. I'm, I'm doing terrible with the last names. I, I hope I'm not butchering your your last names here, guys. But Fran says, uh, hi, Florida here. Hi, Fran. Thank you for joining us. Um, Natalie again says, um, a lot of people don't want to do that much work either. Washington State here, I have Muscovy, Muscovy ducks and horses as well as parrots. I certainly don't want to do that much work. So I agree with you on that because I don't want to do it. Um, uh, Betty Elks says, thank you, Patty. Um, uh, Patty, I think you, you, you missed, um, Natalie had asked what, if any role your politics played in your decision to get involved in farming. So I think that a, a good question. Um, I think that a lot of my, my political views did have some to do with this chart working. So I think that it, it did have quite a bit to do with my decision to farm. So Black conservatism, one of the biggest tenets about black conservatism 
is that you do not seek government help. And the reason why is because the idea is that if government gets involved with black people, it usually ends up hurting black people. Right. So like, for example, government said it had really good intentions to help cure disease in black communities, but instead they infected about 600 black men with syphilis. Yep. So, and then withheld you know, the cure. And then yeah, withheld right. the cure it, from it, them. Yeah. Right. I will go get vaccines. And I, I do believe vaccines. However, if the government were to say to me that black people should, you know, they absolutely need to get vaccines and they weren't pushing in on anyone else, I'd be a little suspicious. Right. So, you know, it, it, the, the idea is that, you know, even so, take, for example, welfare. Welfare is pushed into African American communities. Uh, mostly because the poverty numbers is disproportionate for African-Americans. I get that. Right. But instead of pushing welfare, why not push jobs? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Why, why not push some, you know, why not push job fairs and, you know, inter, you know, job, job, you know, just things that have to do with, that don't, that don't end up getting people stuck into the net of welfare. A lot of times, you know, you get stuck on welfare and it's not that you don't want to leave, but sometimes it can be hard to leave. So, you know, I just, the biggest thing about the black conservative conservatism is just, you do your best to avoid, to avoid government involvement because right. what's likely going to happen is that government is going to screw you over and it's make it worse. People, right. We do everyone else too, but black people have, kind of dealt with this the worst i would say one of the worst oh definitely worst. yeah and so but that mentality is definitely because people have kind of run away from black conservatism there's kind of like this mix now is a black conservatism when it comes with religious ideals right. and not supporting like not supporting homosexuality or not right, a lot right, of people right. don't know black people can be some of the most homophobic people out there but <laughs> um you know, same thing with other, same thing with you know other ideals. But when it comes to government involvement, there's something that shifts in attitude and behavior. It, it is beyond me. Say, but this is beyond me. Why progressives believe that systemic racism exists, or SGWs, whatever? They right. believe systemic racism exists. They believe that government is out to get black people, but yep. they will be the first people to advocate for a universal health care system. Yep. You want black people to have a universal health care system, and at the same time, government does not value black bodies, does not value pregnant black women, does not value women with serious diseases who are that doctors or whatever you know do not consider black black people's pain right, to right, be right. real legitimate pain but right. you want the government to be involved in that to be in charge of after, their only way of getting care yeah yep right after this tuskegee syphilis experiment after you know the guy who created gynecology was really horrible towards black women and yep. experimented on black women that's not to say you shouldn't go to your gynecologist go to your gynecologist <laughs> Um, you know, but it's true. Know, but it's true. I just found that out. It's true that like the most of the things that science knows about gynecology started with a guy who was basically torturing slaves and freed slave women. Yeah. Yeah. 
and so I don't understand. I don't understand, you know, the the bowing down to Planned Parenthood when they advertise in Black communities the most. Right. We are Black women. They can't. I think the worst thing to do is tell Black women that they can't take care of their children and and go to school or do the things that they want to do instead of telling them to put instruments into their bodies to kill their children right we should be telling we should be offering them why why doesn't planned parenthood offer them books why doesn't planned parenthood offer them baby toys you know baby toys and 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 diapers and and milk and formula they have the money to do that. They're being funded by the government. They have the money to do that. But why tell women that they need to kill their children in order to succeed? Why do this to black women? In part, you know, why, why put these billboards in black women's neighborhoods? So that, that's, that's my answer. You know, it's just when it comes to doing what I'm doing, I do it with the mind that I have to do these things for myself. Right. And I have to, I have to support my family myself and not rely on government involvement to help my family or support my family. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, it's one thing, you know, libertarians, conservatives, anarchists, whatever. We talk sustainability and self-ownership and being off the grid and sticking it to the man. But uh, most of us, uh, I mean, I can't, I, you know, like I was saying, I, I watched your 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 video and when uh, I watched another video, uh, this was a while back, but I watched the one when it came out. Uh, where you were butchering the chicken and you you had the chicken and you're holding the chicken up to the video and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to kill the chicken. And uh, what's that? Was it a duck or a chicken? No, it was a chicken. It was a brown chicken. Okay. okay. And you're holding it and it's looking at the camera and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to kill the chicken. And and I eat chicken. I mean, like, you know, there's, I'm not a vegan. Um, she, and, 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 and when you said, I'm not going to kill the chicken on camera, I breathed an audible sigh of relief. Again, I'm not a vegan. I have no problem with people. I eat meat. Um, I'm going to eat fish tonight. I have no problem yeah. with that. And yet, you know, I, I would consider myself as much an ally to the hunters and I've never done it, but to the hunters and the, the fishers and the farmers and everything as can be. And yet even I, I'm looking at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to kill the chicken. And I, and so I'm sort of like, do I, she's going to be my guest. I think I have to watch this. And so and and so and when you were like, I'm well, gonna kill her I off. I do have a video. I do have a video of actually killing something. It was it was a duck, and I do have a video of like the duck actually. <laughs> okay, yeah, that I that I didn't get to, um, thankfully. But uh, but again, and I and I, I realize anything that I eat was killed, and this includes vegetables. You know, when they're when they're That's harvested, exactly. they're not. They may that not reason. go ah. They may not move around or whatever, but they're dead. Um, so anyway, well, so. Yeah, I think the only thing that I really, really agree with vegans about is that everyone should learn or, or, or do or see kill their food just once. Kill their food, cook it and eat it and experience that for yourself. And the reason, the reason I believe that is not because I people to shy away from doing it, doing it. Because there are people who will. There are people who will do it and, and never eat meat again. Right. I'm fine with that. Because you've made the conscious choice to do that. Yeah, you've made the choice but not to not some, to be involved, right? Right. There are some there are people out there who have never done it. Um, they will eat meat, and you know, uh, you know, and who you know, maybe they just choose not to, and that's fine. Some people are just scream, squeamish, and some people don't like blood. Right. Some people don't like that stuff. That's totally fine. But when we when we when we lack 
when we lack the understanding of where our food comes from, we start coming up with really fantastical ways right. of how our food got onto our plate. Right. <clears throat> For example, um, a friend of mine's kid got in trouble at school because they live on a farm and they eat chickens. They The kids will literally chicken. They went to school and chicken nuggets were being served. And the kid looks to his friend and says, did you know chicken nuggets are made out of chickens? And the other kid looked at him and started crying. And he was, and he was like, yeah, they're made out of chicken, they're made out of chicken. And like all the kids started crying in the classroom. And the teacher's like, why are my kids crying? Well, they ended up calling his parents, my friend, um, and telling them, well, your kid's in trouble because he told all the kids in the class that like, chicken nuggets are made out of chicken. Why would he be made in trouble for saying cry. that chicken's made out of chicken? Because the kids are crying. And and so all the kids started crying, and he got in trouble. And a lot of if the kids had some chickens, they would know where those chicken nuggets came from. (laughs) And you know, I mean, there was another incident where someone wrote in a newspaper uh, chastising hunters and said, "Well, you need to get your meat from the grocery store like everyone else instead of hunting." Yeah, yeah, your your meat—they committed suicide for. They all died of natural causes, right? They died of natural causes, or jumped in front of a bus. They said, "I need to make myself into a turkey dinner for so and so," and I'm jumped in front of this bus. Yeah, how noble! I said, "Deer do think that deer have been predated on so much that they just decide to just jump in front of the just give it up, right? Yeah, just just give up. Just I have enough to give up. Someone meet me, and so, um a lot of people just don't they really don't have that connection they don't have the connection of food came from something that was alive and something that was either clucking or or digging or you know i don't i don't really know how to explain it because i'm not like you know i've i've raised food and then butchered it and i'm not you know the kind of person who cries over that i take i do pause you know i take a pause I say thank you before I before I you know uh, you know I you know I take a paw to pet him a little bit, but even on my, even on my first time doing it, the pride I felt at being able to accomplish that and know that I'm not going to be so emotionally overwhelmed. Right, that right, right. Be, yeah, I would never be able to care for myself and and do this. It, it 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 just didn't uh, like affect me as emotional emotionally. For some people, this would affect them deeply, and for other people, are like me, where this is more like a completionist thing and less like a, you know. And I don't think I feel bad. I cry when my animals get hurt when they die. I mean, right. I, I've cried over animals, you know, a lot. You know, I cried over one of my animals yesterday. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, and I, I think that there, it's hard to explain. I'm not sure how to explain it. And I'm still working on, I've been working on ways to truly explain this because there isn't a, there isn't a huge way to explain it. A lot of people like they expect this, this huge, this huge explanation and justifications for it, but there's not, there's not a huge, 
you need a really good vocabulary to be able to truly explain all of it. Um, a lot of it is things that people stand until they tr they experience it for themselves. Right. You know, that's the best way that I can explain it. I, I can't. You know, I'm, I'm not at the I'm not at the level that I can just truly explain this yet. Well, some of it's an innate thing, and it, and it really comes down to like. Right. So. Go ahead. No, okay. So yeah, no, it's hard to explain it because it's it's an innate thing. You need to eat, and it something dies for it, whether it's a vegetable or or an animal. And and I mean, if you go even further. In order to, if we all switch to a vegetable diet, that's going to require more vegetable farms, which requires more deforestation, which means more animals being displaced and dying as a result. They're not necessarily being killed, but they're being pushed off their, their where they were living and they're going to have less land to compete that they're having to compete for. And so now they're dying as a result of that. Uh, almost all of us live with pest control, which means that, you know, I mean... I tell vegans, I'm like, listen, if you are in a, if you got in a car today, you have no idea the hundreds or possibly thousands of insects that died so that you could travel at a higher speed than just walking. And if you did oh, walk, you probably. For that. They, they, it's okay because it's okay because they don't personally mean any harm and they have to get to work. They, they can't take that bicycle instead. That's There's a, an excuse for everything. It's a cop out. It's a cop out because it's the reality is, yes, you have to do that just like you have to eat. And the death that happens as a result of all the pesticides that are put on on the food or or pest control that's used to to you know keep your your um your vegetables from being overrun with with um with pestilence and and right. things die so that you can eat things die so that you can get somewhere it's it's a really brutal reality and it's made much more it's much more in your face when it's a a cute cow or a cute chicken or a cute rabbit. Or, you know, um, it's, it's why like, you know, people get, will get angry about that. They eat dog in China or J Korea or whatever. And they'll show these videos of, of dogs being tortured. And I'm like, I I'm not in favor of the torture, but it's hard for me to say, how dare you eat a dog when I'll turn around and eat a pig or a, or a chicken, which is every bit as, at least for the pig, every bit as intelligent and sentient and, and has the same depth of emotion as a dog, um, I wouldn't eat my dog, um, but I also... Here's why. Th Go ahead. Think about it this way. Sorry. Uh, think about it this way. Um, so I'm not... Per see, a lot of vegans have asked me, they say, well, would you eat a dog or are you against uh, the dog killing in, in China? And I say, no. What I'm against is torturing the dog before they die. Yeah, yeah, torture. That, that's, yeah. that's what I'm against. If, if, you are at, if you are at the point that now... This isn't something that happens, in all, and, and, and I don't say he said this, but this isn't something that happens all in China. I'm just giving context to the situation. Mm -hmm. There are some provinces in China where people do eat dogs, and in China, now I, I've been, I've lived in China for half of a year, for a semester, and I remember when I went to China, the level of stray dogs there is intense. Right. There's a lot of stray dogs in China. And it's only recently that China has actually started accepting dogs as pets. Dogs didn't used to be pets in China. Right. right. Um, now people have a lot of pets in China, cats, dogs, and, and hamsters and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there are very few provinces that have dogs for meat. 
and one of them is the Yulin Dog Festival, and the Yulin Dog right. Festival is pretty, is pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, they torture the dog before death. They do a yeah. lot of terrible things. I, you know, I'm not cool with the torturing the dog before death. I don't know their situation. Maybe they do have to eat dogs to survive. I don't know their situation, but if they do, then why do you have to torture the dog? Yeah, don't torture it. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, what well, you know, there, there's no benefit in doing that. Just, just you know just don't do that <laughs> just, yeah. just don't yeah. do that there are better ways to do that now part and part of this part of the issue there in china is that there is in my opinion a lack of respect for life there are a lot of people in china due to the fact there's a lot of people in china it's and, and see this is the image when there's a lot of something it has no value right it has <laughs> less value right 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 Right. It has less value. There's a lot of people in China. And because there's a lot of people in China, the value that people place on each other is less than China. Only recently has China actually created legislation uh, such as Good Samaritan legislation, which basically says that if you help you, if you help someone, you will get a reward from the government. Okay. There are incidences where people have ran over children and just kept driving. And wow. and this isn't like this isn't like a one time thing that happens here. This is like people just do that. It's common, there right? Right. Yeah. There's incidences where people run over other people on purpose, just on purpose. I mean, for no reason, just on purpose. Um, there have been incidences where, uh, you know, people see people sick in the street and they don't do anything, or they see someone injured. And they don't do anything because they fear that if they help them, that person who is injured will sue them if they recover. So oh, they had to okay, create, okay, okay. Yeah, they had to create good Samaritan laws to say you'll be fine. We'll actually pay you or, or reward you for helping other people. Right, and you won't be sued for it, right? Right, and so this a lot of this has to do with the fact that there are so many people in China. You know, it's like what's losing one person? There's another person to replace. There's, you know? there's over there's a billion and a half people here, right, it, right. Right. It's stuff like that. And so, and not to mention, you know, China's just recently coming out of the whole super communist that, you know, they are a communist country, but they've become a lot more economically free and economic freedom is also personal and individual freedom as right. well. So these people are just really coming out of, honestly, in my opinion, just really coming out of Mao's China, the, the ideas of Mao's China. Where, I mean, during Mao's China, there were times where young people were beating their grandparents to death for disagreeing with Mao. Wow. There were times where, where intellectuals were being shot on the street. And, and when I'm talking about intellectuals, I'm talking about college professors, right. scientists being shot on the street or being beaten in the street for disagreeing with for Mao. disagreeing with Mao, they, yeah. Yeah, they had the Tiananmen Square massacre, which went on during Mao's regime. Yep. So, I believe. And so... Um, that may have gone after with Mao's, um, the guy that came right after Mao. Um, okay. uh, I, ha I have to look it up now because it's going to bother me, but I, I think it may have been just after. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine because it, they're, they're, that ideology from Mao is still there. And and I mean, you know, these so these people are still under this kind of this ideology of there's so many of us who cares. And they're coming out of this ideology because now there's cameras. 
you know, people get cameras, you know, that people in other countries are seeing this. And China doesn't want to look like the bad guys. Not right now, they don't. Right, exactly. And so, and so it's it's imperative for 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 the Chinese to start looking like to them civilized people, impressing Westerners, impressing the people who are you know the head of head of the GDP in in, in the world, and right? So, and that's the West. And so uh, they they've really made a lot of changes. So the Yulin Dog Festival, in my opinion, has a lot to do with that. There's a lot of dogs in China. What does it matter to them if they torture a dog or two? This ideology, this, these ideas and ideology, they need to change. It's it, it's the same thing that happened in the United States. I mean, now a lot of a lot of vegans when they look at farming practices, they they have to take stuff that comes from the '90s, you know, in order to apply it here. They think that practices that were went on in the '90s are still going on today, but farming technology has evolved since the '90s. It's evolved so you know quickly and steadily and it continues to evolve to make the okay. lives of the animals better um if you look if you look up temple grandin temple grandin is is a woman she she is on the spectrum she has autism right. but she is the leading expert in animal welfare in her opinion her her autism helps her connect with animals and mm. understand the position that animals are in and so she herself holds the view that if we're going to eat meat, we have to treat these animals right. We have to give them good lives. We have to treat them right because they're here for a purpose. But that doesn't mean that they have to be treated badly. Right. And so, she she right. came up with the way that the 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 that the the cow was going into the processing. That yeah yeah. Yes. Yep. She came up with that, and you know, creating non-slip flooring, making sure that cows are processed within twenty-four to forty-eight hours. Uh, making sure that when you have a, when you have cows in their separate paddocks, that a human being can walk through there, and a cow wouldn't touch the human being. Make, that that's how we know that the cows have space. Right, that if, right, right. Animals don't can't even touch the person that they that they have space, and so uh, she also came up with the the idea of animals not seeing the other animal in front of them dying. Mm. Um, now I've killed animals in front of other animals, and I guarantee you, some of them do not care. <laughs> they do not care but i think that it's a great practice for you know cows and pigs and whatnot to not know that the animal in front of them has died that keeps them calm and it keeps them safe you know just keeps them calm and safe and you know keeps them from reacting badly to 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 the production line right because there's no um, reason for an animal's last moments to be in fear and horror you know let it you know right. just you just kill you kill it it had no idea and it's over and you know they didn't previously witness it happen to another animal and especially for a pig i mean i don't know the different levels of intelligence i do know that pigs are actually considered at least as smart as dogs if not smarter so and i would imagine cows are probably the same i know if my if my dog saw another dog get killed in front of him he'd freak out yeah well, here's here's what I would say is that I have seen videos of pigs being killed in front of other pigs. Okay. Um, particularly domesticated pigs. I've seen people, you know, when they shoot the pig. Um, some of those pigs don't care. I mean, I've seen the video. Where, I'm serious. Some of those. I've seen video where a pig, two pigs are grazing. The guy walked up to to kill one pig, and the other pig looked up at him. Like, oh, he's dead, and then went back to eating the grass. Oh wow! It's like does not care you know some you know i think it depends on the animal some some don't don't care i mean they just it, the connection's just not there okay um and 
it, and then it just a hundred percent depends on the animal. The connection's really not there. You know, I've seen video of turkeys. You, you can shoot a turkey, and the other turkeys might jump at the sound of the gunshot, but they see that they see their buddy Tom over there flailing around, and they're like, "Hey, you're okay? No, he ain't okay. Let's keep eating." They, <laughs> they right. just, I don't know if it's an instinctual thing because maybe they haven't. I don't know if it's instinctual because a lot of animals just don't create bonds for the sake of safety and instinct. Right, right, um, right. That doesn't mean that they that that doesn't mean that the pig didn't have a bond to the other pig, but the level of detachment in a lot of animals is really astounding, and that, that's how they that's how they survive. They, right, they right, right. have really good detachment skills. I mean, rabbits, for example, rabbits are really good at detachment. Um, I've had rabbits who lost an entire litter. You put them in a cage with a buck, and they are right back at trying to make new babies. Wow. The detachment, the attachment is just not there. It's just not there. If, if they had babies, yeah, they'll feed them and lick them, mother them. But if they lose that litter, right back to making some more babies. It's not the, the same detachment. emotional attachment, right? Yeah, that detachment levels they don't mourn that detachment levels just not there um you know i've had it i've had that happen you know like when um when my rabbits the babies are ready to be weaned i have like f- five weekers they'll be weaned in two more weeks uh when it's time for them to wean and i'll take them out of the cage with their that they have with their mom their mom's gonna look around a little bit and then she's gonna go in the cage with the buck and make new babies they just i mean the it's really interesting to me that the attachment and, t- and detachment is just, you know, that's how I, that's just how they have evolved and survived. That's, well, they've been they've been bred for that for what tens of thousands of generations, right? Like hundreds of thousands of generations. Well, it's not even the breeding. I mean, even wild rabbits are the same way. Oh, okay, they, okay. The behavior. The only difference. The difference between a domesticated animal and a wild animal is is just a couple rules and one the rule is is that they're easy to feed they i mean you don't have to deal with these these ridiculous diets so for example goats and cattle put them out on grass they're good right um and they forage so they're easy to feed the second thing is that they are easy to deal with they are they're 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 pretty gentle with people they don't act crazy around people right um the third thing is that they they are they have short gestation periods, so they okay. you know we're talking about like rabbits twenty eight to thirty one days thirty five days of the gestation to have babies, and so those I think those are the three main rules. There are probably more rules, but those are the three that those I those are remember. the big ones, right? Right, and so you know like cows cows have about like a six to eight I would say I'd say about six maybe maybe six, six to eight gestation period. You know, it's no wonder we don't breed elephants. Elephant gestation is like a year long. <laughs> when you're saying six to eight, that's weeks or months? Months, months. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but so, a cow also has a tremendous amount of, of meat on it. So you're you're getting a lot for your time. Right. And, 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 you know, when calves are born, we're talking about, you know, 80 pound calves sometimes. Right. And so 80 pounds. Of, now, I'm not a cattle farmer. These are these are just tr- things I'm trying to remember on the top of my head. Right, right, right. Um, you, you know, and the weaning, like for example, weaning with cows—that's short. Weaning with goats—that's pretty short as well. Weaning with rabbits—that's just six weeks. And for specific rabbit breeds, like the New Zealand, you can butcher them in 28 weeks. 
Wow. No, you can butcher them, not 28. Well, some people butcher 28 weeks. Some people butcher, I think, at like 12, 12 weeks, something like that. Eight to 12 weeks sometimes. And how um, many pounds of meat is on a typical rabbit? They're talking about, well, when I read stuff, now I have never been able to get mine to that to that perfect, you know, butcher weight yet. Okay. Um, they're talking about five pounds by 12 weeks. And, and I've never been able to do that yet. So I wonder what feed that they're giving, but I've had trouble doing that. Uh, so I usually, they're usually about, you know, maybe a little bit more than 12 weeks, probably closer to 20 by the time I've done that. Okay. Um, well, you're working on it. You're still learning what you're doing. Right. I'm, I'm still learning a lot. And so, you know, or like horses, for example. Now, horses are animals that take, you don't ride a horse until they're past two years old past two years old. I'm not talking right. about eight years old. I'm talking about maybe four, four years old. And the value for horses has plummeted, but I think it might be going back up. But with horses, you know, they're a little bit different. The domestication of horses has been different, but it's but they were reliable because they're transportation. Right, right, right. So, so go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> That's okay. So um, I just had, I, I, before I let you, I just had a question. So as we've discussed briefly, but vegans hate you and uh, uh, you, you have uh, uh, all of your videos or at least the meat related videos, uh, anything with animals in it, um, uh, they're filled with angry comments from people with, uh, I guess, low B12 levels. And, uh, uh, now did, I shouldn't say that because I, I actually, so my <laughs> diet, I'm on an autoimmune diet. And so I actually limit my amount of animal, uh, protein, um, because right. of that. Um, so right. I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm about 90% vegan and then 10% like, uh, mostly wild caught meat and wild caught fish, but the, the, You're the definitely the, not vegan. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not vegan, but that 90% is all, I guess I should say mostly 90% plant-based. Um, and, and Go ahead. You sound like a pescatarian. Pescatarians do the fish and stuff. Pretty much, and and some wild uh, game as well. I, I pretty much stay away from the factory farmed meat because of all the stuff they put in it, and there there are some autoimmune issues with that. But all that to say that um, I shouldn't say that because I do know there are vegans that can have the B12, but it requires heavy supplementation and all that stuff. Anyway, you get a lot of angry vegan comments. Um, did this begin as soon as you started with the butchering videos, or they did it take a while for that to build yes. up? It, so the first time I've ever really dealt with vegans was I made a video. I ended up deleting it because I was getting like really, I was getting some terrible comments. I, and, and I got to the point of just deleting it when someone attempted to dox me for the first time. Oh, wow. So, yeah. They got like this Californian address, uh, which I don't live in California, but I decided, okay, this is getting a little too much. And, yeah. That's scary. And, you know, I decided that I wanted to make a new video anyway, talking about all this stuff. And so I ended up deleting it. Um, so the first time I ended up dealing with vegans was someone, a, a, a popular vegan on YouTube, found my video and did a response video to it. Oh, okay. And so obviously when, yeah, obviously when someone does a response video, their followers go to the actual YouTube and start commenting on it. Right. Um, and so me and that vegan did a debate on YouTube. It was a wonderful debate. Like me and him had a great debate. Um, even his own followers said that they thought I was really nice and that they thought of that, that, that they enjoyed the debate obviously we had uh, you know we had these moral differences his right. followers and i but i mean after that 
they, I mean, even they enjoyed the debate. Um, so that was the first time I ever had to deal with vegans truly. And then on Twitter, you know, I would have to, de- I ended up dealing with more vegans because either I would make, you know, I posted this video in which I was harassing one of my silky chicken, chicken, chickens. I was saying, why aren't there any eggs? And I started yelling and I was doing these like funny, like cursors in the video. Right. And it had like 5,000 likes. 5,000 likes and a bunch of retreats. People thought it was absolutely hilarious. It kind of, it was like a mini viral video. Um, and some vegans did not like it. They were like, she's harassing her chicken. And I was like, look, this chicken does not care that I'm yelling at it. It's not worried about you calling it names, right? Yeah, they thought that this, I don't know what they thought. Like the chicken knew English or something. <laughs> like they don't understand English. And so uh, there was some vegans who like got offended about it. Uh, it basically, you know, I would, I just end up kind of getting into these like mini arguments with some vegans and obviously it would go my way because I had a lot more. The, the problem is, is that a lot of vegans do not use cited sources. They use a lot of sources from vegan blogs, which are not legitimate sources. Right. Or they use sources, you know, they'll do things like those. The number one thing you're going to hear from a vegan is watch Cowspiracy. That is not a source. That's a Netflix video that has been debunked by a lot of people. <laughs> you know, or, or the or the new one is Watch Dominion. That's a new that's a new vegan video. What, watch they, what? Watch Dominion or Watch Cowspiracy. That's what they say. Oh, okay. that's like their go to response. Watch, and, I, and I'm like, that's not a source, and I'm not gonna watch it because what? No, why would I watch? Why would why would you give me that's not a source? I want something that I can read that is verifiable. Yeah, that's not first source. That's done. opinion stuff, right? Right. Right. This that's that's opinion. That's that that's a bunch of that's a, you know to me. If I was in a religious argument, would I say watch God's not dead? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. You know that, that that's not a source. You know. That's 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 a, that's a, that's a video, <laughs> and so it's a movie. Um, anyway. That's yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's a yeah. Movie. and so like like even today, like I I was in a I'm, I'm in an argument with this vegan, and they 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 think that they can they a lot of them you know and this isn't all vegans. I classify vegans in two different groups. One is regular vegans. They just want to be vegan. They just want to save the animals. If that's right. how they believe, they're saving the animals. And they just want to live their life and be normal people. Then there are political vegans. Right. And political vegans are the vegans who want everyone else to be a part of what they do, regardless of if they truly want to or not. Or else they're Nazi, like murderer, you know, they're psychopaths and so forth. Well, they, well, it's not them. It, they think that they, they think that everybody else is a Nazi. Everybody no, no, no. That's, no, I'm saying if they don't adopt veganism, oh, then yeah. they're Nazis, sociopaths, psychopaths, whatever. Right. They think that everyone else is a sociopath or a psychopath or a fascist or a Nazi. I had one today accuse me. Now, this is another thing. A lot of vegans are kind of racist. And this is like what we were discussing earlier. They think that because I'm black, I'm supposed to be against animals. Animal oppression is what they call it. Uh, they label killing animals as the Holocaust. They label as a genocide. And that's not how a genocide works. Because usually when you commit a genocide, you try to get rid of everything. Right. You not, don't, not... you don't, <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you don't try to, you don't try to make more of them. There, there are more turkeys and cows than there are humans right it's not it's a really bad genocide that 
you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> so um, they they take words. It's just like you know, SJWs. They take words that don't mean that, and they apply it to the situation, even though that's not what they mean. Right. And I was, you know, I I. I took the opposite position. Instead of a vegan railing at me, I was railing the vegan. They said, you know, this is, and, and this is a vegan that lives in a privileged lifestyle. They live in Europe where there's national health care, where, you know, they have pictures on their profile of them at fancy vineyards and stuff. And, I'm, and they, they said to me, well, I can't grow vegetables. Yes, you can. Well, what kind of excuse is that? You're out there growing at vineyards. You obviously have the money. You you haven't you wearing a nice coat, right? Your hair's done. You got nice sunglasses. You're hanging out with your friends at pubs. You're telling me that you can't grow a couple of vegetables. You don't know the face of who makes your cabbage, but you're gonna come at me because I know the face of who makes my rabbit meat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I would argue that it's more. I believe personally that it's actually more ethical. And I say this as someone that's not doing it, but I would say it's more ethical to know the source of all your all of your foods and to have them much more local. You know, you're you're harvesting your own rabbits and your own chickens. You're getting your own eggs. You're getting if you're not getting your own milk, you're getting your milk from someone that, you know, or that you may yeah. be trading with or even if you're just giving the money. But you, you know where it's coming from and you're much more you're much closer to it, whereas if I'm and I say me, cause I'm the one that does this. I go to the store, I buy all this stuff. I may research, you know, I, I you know, like I said, I, I stay away from the factory farmed meat, but I don't know how yeah. my, how my stuff's being made. I don't know if the farm that's making this is also making, you know, is also making, you know, beef or chicken or whatever. And are using, you know, I mean, when you look at these factory farms, I know you said that they've evolved a lot more. There's not going to be the same level. You're not going to be able to give the same level of care okay. to, a billion chickens that you are to you, you know, with however many, you know, a dozen, few dozen, couple, right. however many chickens you have, you're not going to be able to have the same care. Those chickens aren't going to be treated the same way just because it's an, it's an economy of scale. So to me, that's it. And it's similar to people who are against violence and then they vote for politicians who do violence by proxy through the police and, and, right. you know, military. And we delude ourselves that if we're not doing it, it's okay. So long as someone else is doing it, we're completely removed from it. And we just show up when, uh, when the final product is done. So to me, it's much more ethical what you're doing. So, so, I, and so speaking about factory farms is that a lot of people, um, and, and it's true that because, you know, with factory farms, there is not necessarily the same level of care. You know, we're talking about hundreds and thousands of millions of animals, right. but you know, typically with factory farms, according to the USDA, even these factory farms, 97% of U.S. food is family farm. 97%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 90%, 97%, you can, you pretty much can guarantee that your food is likely coming from a family farm, even if it's under a corporation. So the way factory farms work is it's not like this factory with a giant plume of gray smoke coming out of it. That's usually the butchering place. <laughs> but right, right. It, it's not with, with the hundreds of millions of animals in it. What corporations do, take, for example, Prairie Farm. Okay. Or, or what's one of them? Um, Sam, Sam, Samson, Samson Farm, something like that. They okay. do bacon stuff. Um, 
So what they do is is they will ask a small a farm not small farm they'll ask the farmer. We'll give you money if you raise these chickens or you raise these pigs. Right. They will give them a bunch of for now for commercial for chickens. They give them a specific breed of chicken that they specially bred themselves that grow fast within eight weeks. And that's that's the truth. I've actually owned one of these chickens before. Uh, I didn't get them to an adult size because my cat ate them, but I've had them and they truly are different from regular domesticated chickens. Okay. So, you know, they will give them these chickens. So give them about a thousand or so of these chickens and they'll ask this person in a chicken yard or chicken shed to grow these chickens. When the chickens reach eight weeks, uh, the farmer actually hires someone to pick up these chickens and send them to the Sanderson Sanderson farm, sends them to Sanderson farms. Oh, okay. And it's the same thing with pigs. When the pigs reach of age, the farmer will hire someone to send them off to Sanderson farms for butchering. So that's how they, that's how it usually works where commercial farms are actually, um, what's the word for it? What's the word for it when you hire like business, when you like outsourcing it or contracting it? Yeah, they're they're outsourcing, not outsourcing. They're contracting, contracting, right? To to raise the animals themselves, and and I've been, I've actually one of our neighbors is someone who raises chickens, and I think they're Sanderson Farms chickens. I'm not sure. Um, I can't. I, I'm. I think it's Sanderson Farms. But I know for sure that he raises these Cornish chickens that grow are they're specially genetically, you know, their special genetics grow, make them grow to eight weeks real fast. Okay. Okay. And so, um, or they grow real fast to, at eight weeks. And, uh, you know, he hires someone, he's got like three chicken sheds or something. He hires someone to come pick up these chickens and get them all filed up and in the truck and then go off to the, uh, so the processing plant, that's what it's called, the processing plant. So that, and uh, this is just a regular guy. I mean, this is just a regular guy farming doing this. This isn't, so, you know, this is like a corporation. So that makes sense because that I've always wondered. So when I'll see like a bunch of chickens or a bunch of pigs or cows or whatever in a, in a truck being transported somewhere, I'm like, mm-hmm. why are they being transported alive? But that makes sense. What you're saying is that they're being grown at these smaller farms and then being taken to these yeah. large facilities to actually be brought to be butchered and, and processed. So that actually... That actually exactly. makes sense. Exactly. So, ninety, according to the USDA, ninety-seven percent of farms, family farms, are are the backbone of the United States, and and ninety-seven percent of all farms are, in fact, uh, family farms, whether they're small or large. And so, uh, you know, the same thing for beef. I, I was actually really surprised to learn where beef comes from. Ma- majority of beef is actually initially grass-fed and then sent to feedlots. Um, right so it's grass-fed corn finished or grass-fed grass finished is like a big difference between how they were finished yeah that is a big difference so grass-fed and grass finished is a huge difference from grass-fed to feed finished or corn finished or whatever they decide to feed them a lot of people raise cattle they'll raise beef cattle uh whether it's angus or brangus or brahma or whatever and uh, they will grow them out that they'll they'll have a herd. They'll they'll start out with a herd with the with their own bull and a couple and and some heifers, and then um, they'll have babies. And when the babies reach weaning age, they send them off 
whether they're I, and I, I'm not sure if it matters if they're male or female, but they send them off to the uh, oftentimes to either the auction or the stockyard where they'll be feed fed out. Now, if they're sent to the auction, usually anyone can, you know, buy. If they're sent off to the feedlot, then they will be exclude. They'll they'll be used for beef. And so <clears throat> majority of them are, in fact, started off and just, you know, <laughs> just a bunch of grassland. And, and then, and then they're, they're sent us, you know, a lot of people think that these animals are raised in continuous darkness in a giant building. And that's not the way it works. You don't get good meat in continuous darkness and a giant building with cement, you know, and, and actually, you know, even dairy farms, dairy farms have changed a lot. There's, there's this huge push against dairy. And it's really interesting because Dairy is not, does not have a lack of demand. People are buying milk, but the issue is, is that farmers are not getting their share of the profits from buying milk. A lot of corporations are beating out these smaller farms, which makes it harder for dairy farmers to get their proper payment right. for the milk that they're making. So they, they get, they, they have this milk, they send the milk off they and, and it's another thing contracted by a corporation. They get this milk sent off, whether it's from great value of Walmart <clears throat> or, you know, like organic value, value is a really good, you know, milk, milk thing because organic value, value uses small farmers to create great milk products. Okay. And the demand is great because they're an ethical way of sourcing milk. Right. And they're organic. They have, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're organic. They're transparent. They, uh, you know, if, if anyone asks me, well, I, I don't want to buy milk from, from, from great value Walmart, who should I buy milk from? I would say great value, get, get your milk, your eggs, all that kind of stuff from, from great value farms. Uh, they're, they're perfectly organic and they're transparent. You know, exactly. You, you pretty much know who's making your food. And so, um, they you know, the people, a lot of people think that, that these animals are, are literally grown in dark, dank spaces, but they're not. They, they right. are starting outside. They're starting outside. And even at feedlots, they're not at a feedlot for very long. You know, they're at a feedlot just to be finished out. And then they're sent off to, um, to, to be butchered. Right. And even the butchering process is not something that's intensely gruesome or, 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 or unethical and, and, and terribly mean. I mean, these, these cattle are processed. They're not kept in this little, in these tiny spaces. They're kept in huge spaces. Um, in fact, when, when we finish this video, I'm going to link uh, the Temple Grandin video concerning how cattle are processed. But they're right. kept in these spaces, water 24 uh, 7. I don't know if they, they, if they are kept over 24 hours, they are given food. If they're, if they're not, obviously they're not given food because they need their gullet to be free from food. Right. But right, right. they're given water 24 hours. When they go through processing, the cat, the cow behind them can't see what's what's happening, and um, the rule is that I, it depends. Sometimes it depends on what farm is doing it, but generally, by the time they get to uh, the slit, the throat slitting and the and and all that, they are clinically dead. They're they're gone. Um, the rules are is that if their tongue is sticking out. They're definitely dead. And even if their tongue isn't sticking out and they could be dead, they always make sure that these animals are gone. That so how are they how are they dead. killing them then? So there's multiple ways to kill a cow. You can bolt gun them. Bolt gunning is for I'm just pointing to my forehead, but 
it would be like here. And what the bolt gun does is that a needle comes through and it punctures the skull and it stuns them. But they're pretty much, they're not going to recover from that. And they're, they are pretty much pretty dead after right. that. Even, even if they are dead, um, they go They're not experiencing and, anything anymore, right? They're not experiencing anything. They are unconscious. They can't, even if they're not dead, they're unconscious. They can't feel anything. So it's considered, so they bolt gun them in the middle of the forehead or, you know, wherever they bolt gun them. And then they get them up onto, they, they, they hook them up. It's not a hook that goes into their skin. It's clamps that they help to pick up from the legs. And then they slit the throat. The slitting of the throat is the done deal. That's where that they have their blood drained and they are definitely dead after that. Right, right. And so even if they're not dead, what they do is that, which is really rare. So even if they're not dead, they immediately go to the animal, bolt gun it again, make sure it's gone. And so that that's how they do it. Uh, I know it's for some people it might sound really gruesome, but that's how it's done. It is what it is. Like, I mean, hearing it, I'm like, eh, I'm like trying not to react too much. But because, again, I'm that removed and I even recognize that I'm that removed. So when I have that reaction, it's like, hey, look, schmuck, if you want food, it, something died like it is what it is. Yeah. And, and it's a gruesome reality. We're so we live in such a sheltered existence, unless you're on a farm. Uh, or yeah. part of that industry or whatever, we're in such a sheltered existence that we just don't have a concept of like this thing, this thing you're eating, this chicken nugget. You know, I mean, I, the fact that the kid got in trouble for saying something that's true, that true. like because <laughs> it hurts so many kids feelings. It's like, no, maybe we should be telling the kids that chicken comes from chicken. I remember yeah. asking my parents, we used to go to Hardee's and I'd get a chicken filet sandwich. And I remember asking, I was like all of three, four or five, whatever old I was. And I was like, what kind of chicken is this the chicken we eat or the chicken that's like walks around and then my dad said something like that's the same thing i was like oh okay <laughs> like you know i didn't cry because it was just matter of factly told like that's what it is yeah. it is from a chicken oh okay cool so i want to well, go through so the comp they... go ahead oh yeah let's go through the comments because i i want to say something super controversial and we can have a whole argument about that i don't know if you support it or not <laughs> Well, we'll find out. Um, uh, so, okay, so here are the comments. Uh, uh, it's been a while since I've done comments, so that's why. So here's one. Um, Natalie uh, says, they torture the dogs uh, they because they like the way that fear and adrenaline makes the meat taste. I have no problem with them eating dogs either, but I could also do without the torture. Yeah, that's, I don't care how. That's weird. Yeah, that, see that, and that's where you lose me because, okay, it, you like it tastes better because it got it got or i guess they're saying that makes it taste yeah no don't don't torture an animal like i don't i don't want to be told it was tortured so then we have a comment from tufel strit uh patty yes girl oh that's my friend <laughs> oh okay and then uh lori uh says one rabbit doe can make up to 230 pounds of meat per year for less than 30 yeah. bucks a month that is impressive that's absolutely true they is... they are the I mean, I've, I've, I bought, you know, I buy them. I have like a mixed bag of feed that I feed them and I don't have to buy feed, you know, maybe once or twice a month. No. Yeah. No. Once, once every one month or two months, depending. So, I mean, it's really, really financially good. Yeah. No, that's, that's, it makes sense. Um, Natalie says, um, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Natalie says cow gestation is about nine months. Horses are about 11 months. Thank you for that. 
Um, Elaine Watson says, hey, Trish. Hey. <laughs> um, Lori says, uh, VJSW, vegan social, or VSJW, vegan social justice warriors. Yes, very much. Uh, those are the meats people are used to. I don't know what that was in reference to, but we agree. Um, uh, uh, Natalie says, corn fed have a lot more fat in the meat. Yeah, and, and it's something about yeah. also the the three to omega three to omega six ratios are different when they're grass fed versus when they're grain or corn fed or something like that. Grass fed beef have a much higher nutritious value than corn fed beef. You know, and I don't understand why they don't focus on grass fed beef more because I would think that do I've seen people raise grass fed cattle and to me, grass fed seems like the most economically efficient way to go i mean compare i've i've bought feed before and i know how much feed costs so why wouldn't grass fed be the more economical and and cheaper option i don't i don't really get why that wouldn't be maybe someone knows the answer to that because i i actually don't know the answer yeah i I don't know either and that was my thought i'm like grass grows from the ground or you're having to buy buy or farm corn but maybe in certain areas Maybe in the Midwest, it's cheaper for corn. I mean, there's a reason they're doing it because it's less healthy, but yet they're doing it. So I assume it's for economic reasons. But so then Elaine Watson says, love you, Trish. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you, Elaine. Um, So those were the comments. You had mentioned uh, there was something controversial you wanted to bring up. And in fact, this is actually a perfect time for that because I've asked you all the things I wanted to ask. And um, so I was going to pretty much give you the floor, but we can... We can duke it out if you want. Um, so I was going to give you the floor to say any final thoughts that you have, um, anything you want to promote or mention or whatever. So if it's a controversial thing, then then have at it. How many people are watching? I just wanted to know. Currently right now, uh, we have 10 viewers, um, but we have uh, had as much as 20. Um, and total we have had, um, I know it's in the hundreds, and I don't I'd have to close out the video to see. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's to see the total number, but um, we average anywhere between on the low end for the, for the, when it's first live anywhere on the low end from say 500 ish viewers to we've had as many as 3000. Um, so, um, so, and we're averaging probably somewhere I'm, I'm thinking we're probably somewhere around the thousand range that have watched at some point during the entire video. But anyway, go ahead. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I was going, that I am a huge supporter of trophy hunting. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have so I'm I'm hearing my wife scream uh in my in 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 my brain um uh because I don't really have a very defined let me put step back. I think people have a right to do it. Um I don't think there's any reason that people should be stopped from using their property animals or property animals don't have rights and are not people uh to use their property to do trophy hunting or, or whatever else wait, wait, wait are you talking so when you're saying trophy hunting do you mean the the where the people go on the on the i'm uh, talking about all forms of legal trophy hunting Doesn't okay matter what country okay i didn't know if you meant so like for example around here we have these like canned hunts where like they take domesticate essentially domesticated animals and they just have them walk out on a field and shoot them um that yeah. seems kind of seems kind of rude to me but i also think they have the right to do it but you're saying even like going out into the wild and killing like for example when people go to africa and they'll kill like a giraffe or something and, and yeah. that kind of stuff so yeah i'm not i'm not against any of these things 
I know my wife is, but I, I'm not against, she's probably not against the wild hunting. I think the canned hunting really bothers her because you're raising something just to have someone pay to shoot it. Um, and then there's so the I ones where really, I, I've never really understood canned hunts myself. Um, yeah. no, I'm not against it because I understand the concept of the animal being raised for a purpose. Right. Um, so, right. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not huge on the idea of canned hunts. Um, I get, I guess I get why people do it. Um, I think personally, you know, I don't like making arguments such as, well, if you're a real man, you'll, you'll, you'll hunt a certain way. Right, 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 right. I I don't make arguments that way because to me, it sounds like the whole, you, you, you don't, you shouldn't own a gun unless you have a small, you know, whatever. And so that's what that sounds like to me. And so it, I've never really understood canned hunts, but I I, I guess I understand why people, I I, I see why people do it. it. It's, you know whatever but you know i i am in support of the whole if if uh zimbabwe wants wants people to come with lots of money to kill an animal see and and a lot of people do not understand why it happens right so for example i remember the whole cecil the lion issue (laughs) uh that was fun but (laughs) uh and they destroyed that guy that guy's business he's out of business he's yeah now, to be fair, the guy didn't do things completely right because he only cut off the head of Cecil, didn't use the body parts. I've seen trophy hunters use the entire body, but keep the trophy. You know, that's still a trophy hunt. But yeah, and that makes sense to me. Like, the use animal. the meat. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, or they gave it to the villagers. And, right, and right, that's right. the proper way to do a trophy hunt. I agree. Anyway. And, but, you know, when, when the Cecil issue happened, and it was the West. It wasn't Africans who got upset about it. It was the West. No, it was the West. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, the Nigerians and Zimbabweans and all that, they, they would say, well, how do you feel about the Cecil issue? And they will look at you like, I have starving children. <laughs> you know, I, we I have, have real issues here. Right, right, right. Lion? You know, so, so anyway, when, when the West got up in arms about the Cecil, Cecil issue, uh, there were a couple terrible things that happened. The number one thing that happened was that hunters decided to lay low. They were not going to Zimbabwe anymore to right. hunt specific animals because of the vitriol that people were giving right. over African animals. And thanks Disney, but this is partly Disney's fault oh, yeah. Lion King. for anthropomorphizing but, animals, right? Right. And so what was going on was that when, when these hunts are organized, the game wardens go out and they survey the area and they look for specific animals. They decide based on the animal's age, based on the animal's health, or based on, you know, based on, uh, you know, how long the animals are around, like I said, age and health. Age and health are one of the biggest things. And, and most of these, a lot of these animals are already cataloged. So they know their health and they know their age. So animals like Cecil or like bull animal bull elephants who have gone past you know the age of 10 and are really past their prime they've gotten aggressive right uh, or they become nuisance animals to villagers they they will put up they will they will say okay it takes this amount of money to go ahead and kill this animal right and obviously there's usually white there's a white westerner somewhere with a gun who is ready to put that money up 
Right, right, right. And they will go and they will shoot this animal and get rid of this animal. Uh, just last year, no, a couple years ago, a girl named Kendall Jones killed a old bull elephant. This was a male bull elephant who had been harassing villagers, had been uh, tearing down crops, been injuring other uh, male elephants. And this is a bull that could no longer create babies. So this bull is actually hurting its own its own species. Right. She goes to kill this animal and people were up in arms about it. I mean, same thing with the Cecil issue. People were up in arms about it. And finally, she posted a video of the villagers coming with huge bags to collect the animal's right. meat. And she said, you guys are mad at me, but these people got to eat. And for the first time ever, I didn't see barely one animal rights activist on there complaining for the first time ever. Because they didn't realize that after she shoots these animals, people get to eat, people get to survive. Well, and and, so, and, and they don't want to be seen as being in, in against Africans being able to eat. <laughs> like that's not right. a that's politically right. popular position to take, like right? You don't want to look like that, or else you look like an a hole, right? Right, exactly. So, so, so anyway, after the Cecil issue, hunters start stopped coming. Hunters stopped hunting lions. In right. particular, they stopped hunting lions. A month after the hunters stopped coming to hunt lions, an entire tribe of Zimbabweans decimated a whole lion pride because no one will come and shoot these lions or, or, or get rid of the lions or, or relocate them or anything because right. nobody wants to mess with them. Right, right, an right. entire lion pride completely destroyed by Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean villagers because the lions were coming and killing their livestock. And so, and so for the first time ever again, I saw animal rights activists just kind of step back. Right, right, right. And the hunters came back to shoot, you know, whatever animal had the bounty on their head. I mean, and this has happened with giraffes. There, there was a hunter, Tess Thompson. Uh, she shot a bull giraffe. And I mean, God, I mean, there are people asking for her to be raped. There are people demanding she be murdered. People wanting to see her shot, maimed, all sorts of terrible, terrible things. Because of but their respect is, for life. Well, right, yeah, they, right. yeah. And they have such respect for life, right? Right. But this was another animal that was harassing other animals, harassing livestock, harassing villagers. If people don't know that, giraffes are actually pretty aggressive. They can be pretty aggressive. Okay. Uh, they have a, ter I mean, they have really strong kick. They have strong neck bones that... In order, the way giraffes fight is that the males will stand stand like this, and they will yep. hit each other in the neck with their with their neck. Right. I mean, it, if you see that, you see the power behind what they do, and they can be pretty aggressive. Um, and they're gigantic. I didn't real. I, I I knew size relative size. I saw a video where they were tracking down one that had gotten something stuck in its neck, and wow. they had to um. They had to tranquilize it, and then they they basically had to trip it, and then pull this thing out. And it was I forget if it was part of a, I don't know, whatever it was. They got it had gotten something stuck in its neck, and so wow. these like rangers or whatever were tracking it down. The thing I knew it was bigger than a person. It was very very tall. It's not until you actually see it running away, and and they're chasing it down. It's the bottom. You can easily walk under its underside. And then that's, wow. I mean, that's just the, the legs and the underside. And then when you get to this massive, you know, 20 foot tall neck or however big it is, like, and I picture if one of those is coming after you or thinks you're a threat to it, I, I wouldn't want to be. 
yeah, you, well, it, yeah, you certainly couldn't. Out, yeah, you certainly couldn't outrun it. And I, 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 I have seen the neck thing where they go back and like slingshot their necks towards each other, and um, yeah. that's scary. Like you don't think of those as being scary, but it's pretty damn scary when I saw it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they're, they're huge animals, and they, you know, these are not cuddly. These are not, even deer. Even deer can be dangerous. Yeah, but these not cuddly puppies these are wild african animals where every day of their life is about survival and they right. are not going to play with some human right they're, they're not, not your friend right. right you know i've thought to myself i have a i have a rabbit i have two rabbits that can be pretty aggressive and i thought to myself man if i ever get an animal rights activist on my place i'll be like why don't you stick your hand in the cage <laughs> why don't you pet them come pet the <laughs> bunny yeah <laughs> I, want see, I want to see you get bit so you understand that that they're not they're not playing with you they, they right. they're not they don't have this the same perception that we have they, they don't you know we might have good intentions but they don't see things that way. And it's not because they've been taught to be aggressive. It's not because they've been taught that everybody's scary and dangerous. It's just how animals are. They, They're they, instinctual. That's, right. It's in their instinctual. Yeah, it's in their, it's instinctual for them to be guarded and to be protective. And, you know, so, you know, of course, you know, there's going to be a vegan out there who says, well, I can make them change. I can love them to stop that. Look. There's some animals you cannot change. I'm sorry to tell you. There was just a story today, I believe, of a guy in Russia. He saved two bear cubs uh, from, I don't know. He saved two bear cubs. And then he he rescued two bear cubs. And then uh, he was able to place one uh, with a bear rescue or whatever. And then he tried placing the other, but he wasn't able to because um, they were the only people he could find that would want them were these trappers or these... um, what are they called? Where they use them to to train animals, um, so they have animals attack them, and um, whatever that's called. So he wouldn't give it away, and so he was r- trying to raise this bear, and uh, the bear had an enclosure and everything else, and he was trying to, I guess, be friends with this bear or raise the bear, and um, the bear uh, broke out of the enclosure, uh, killed and ate him down to the bone, and then killed oh, and ate God. his his two dogs down to the bone. And then when when uh, uh, rangers or authorities or whatever this was in Russia when they showed up they had to kill the bear because the bear came at them and um, and and you know I mean this was a person who I don't know if he was an animal rights activist but he was you know I'm gonna raise and take care of this bear and they're yeah. they're wild these are not the dogs they're and cats dogs. have been they're not dogs and cats have been bred for thousands of years to be our friends. Right. So like, you know, the, and, and even then we still have issues where dogs attack people or whatever, because it's just, you know, I mean, people it's attack people too. Yeah. It right. is what it is. We're all, we're all animals and, right. and we, you know, we, we are, and, you know, that's another thing that, that I constantly think about is that there's a lot of mixed messages being given by the animal rights crowd. And, and one of the mixed messages is that, First, they'll, they, they'll say two things. They'll say two different things. So if, you, if you're a viewer and you're listening and, and you always have arguments with vegans, here, here's something to help you kind of cut through the BS. Right. There are two claims that will be made. The first claim is that humans and animals are of equal value and that they are equal morally and that there is no top or bottom that everyone is on the same line. Animals aren't better than humans. Humans aren't better than animals. Right. If you tell, if you ask them, <clears throat> well, it, you know, if you establish a guideline, 
that animals and humans are not the same, the second claim that will be made, the second claim, sorry, the second claim that will be made is that, well, humans have a responsibility towards animals. So you, you have to ask them, if humans and animals are equal and there is no moral difference between them, why should humans have responsibility towards animals? If everything is equal, why should we have responsibility towards animals? If animals are equal to each other, if the fox is equal to the sheep and the fox is equal to the chicken, why do should the fox have responsibility to protect the chicken? No, right? We don't give that sort of we don't give that sort of moral moral reasoning to the animal. Right. So the difference there's a difference that has to be made. Either humans are better, either humans are actually morally better than right. animals, right. or we're not. Or we're not. You yeah. Make the, yeah. You can't make the claim that we have a responsibility towards animals and yet we are the same as the animals. It's a so, good point. Cause it's, it, cause you know, I used to, you know, again, when you first argue a, a point, you sometimes think you're the first one to think of it. And I showed yeah. up and I went, uh huh. But what about predators? You know, cause they'd never thought of predators. Right. And, right. um, and so I said, you know, what about, you know, the lion and, and they were like, well, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that we're at a, you know, a better moral standard than a, a lion that's trying to survive, but you're right. Okay, great. Just equal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if we're on this, if we're on the same moral plane here, including the insects, which again, oh, well, you know, I can't get to work without, you know, killing thousands of insects. Well, would you say that about killing thousands of humans? Would you go to your job if it required you running over thousands of humans? And if not, right. then you are acknowledging that they're not on the same plane. So no, it's very true. Yeah, and I, you know, I've had that conversation before. You know, when I was actually talking, when I when I talked to a lot of different vegans, you know, they it always will come to it, they'll, they'll say that their that their diet is about no suffering. Well, then you bring up the fact that well, farming causes a lot of suffering for insects and rabbits and and squirrels and mice, and they'll say no, 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 it's about the less amount of suffering. Well, no, 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 wait a minute, no, wait a minute. Now you're implying that. The animals, if you have to eat, the animal's life doesn't matter. So what is it? Does the animal's life value, does the animal's life matter and has value? Right. Or does diet come first, then the animal's then life Then the matter? animal comes first. Yep, exactly. Right. Because and, then and, it's and just, because right. then it's a degree of what you're comfortable with. It's no longer right. a moral, a moral, uh, a solid there's moral no, line. It's, yep. There's no, there's no, there's no equal line. And, and, and so it, it will always come to, when you have an argument about it, it will always come to, no, no, we're talking about the less amount of suffering. And, and, and then you have, that's when I make it clear, look, suffering exists there. You can do everything in your power to, to think that you're stopping suffering. Right. It will always exist. And the point is, is that you have to establish is you know, and I, I've actually had, I had a really cordial talk with a vegan in, in my inbox once. Um, you know, they said, they said, well, we're t you know, these animals are suffering. And I said, death isn't suffering. Do you think that you are, if we believe that death is suffering, should we allow veterinarians to put our animals to sleep when they're in pain? Right. Don't we consider that a reprieve from suffering? Right. And they said, well, yeah, you know, I, okay, I agree that death isn't suffering. So then if death isn't suffering, what matters is what happens before death, right? Right. right. So if, and so then if neither death is suffering and then the animal is not suffering before death, all of it is ethical. 
Yep. There is no, and so, and then ultimately you're going to end up getting into a conversation of, okay, well, is ending a life ethical? Well, <laughs> if you believe that my animals are constantly suffering in my care simply because I'm farming them, mm. is not their death or reprieve from suffering? And if they're not suffering, then where am I being unethical here? Me ending them life is, is me ending their life is fulfilling their purpose. But if you believe that my animals in my care are suffering, then I should end their suffering, right? I mean, wouldn't it, that make sense? Right, it would. And PETA, by the way, I mean, PETA is one of these groups, not all of them. When oh, yeah. they get animals, they kill them. Like when they get yeah. um like pets and stuff, PETA doesn't want animals to be pet. They want animals to be completely over here and humans to be over here, which is un, it's never... Exactly. In, in, it's not possible in human society for humans to be completely self-contained from animals. That's not possible. Right. But then and they, they take the these other problem. What's that? Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was saying that's the other problem is that a lot of, a lot of people don't seem, they, they actually seem to think that even though they believe that humans and animals are on the same level and they're equal, that humans for some reason should not be a part of nature compared <laughs> to the animal. We should be completely removed from nature which completely, yeah. I mean, anyway, it's it, the, it's, it's, it come, I get it. I look at a cow <laughs> and I'm not like, yeah, let's kill the cow and eat it. I like beef, but my first thought looking at a cow, and I'm just being very honest here. When someone says, Hey, you want to watch me kill this cow and then help me rip it apart? No, I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> and, uh, I don't add in, in any way. Do you want to watch me do it? And then watch me do not even that. I'll just let me know when it's ready. Um, so I get it. I get that for most of us, especially those of us who grew in this kind of hermetically sealed existence where that's that thing that happens over there that we don't really, we don't think about. It's not foremost in, in, in the forefront of our heads. We buy it with packages with happy chickens on it and the happy chickens are marching around. Oh, the chicken tenders and you know, whatever, like that's different. right. Yeah, so different. I'd look out into the field, you know, I, my neighbors have cows and I, I look out in the fields and I, every time I pass by, I say, Dang, those are some good-looking cows. This one, my husband looks at me like, should I be worried? Like, no, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking to myself, those are really, you know. And I, and, and when I look at when I look at a cow, when I look at my own animals, you know, I I picked up, I be I picked up my live rabbit, you know, New Zealands before, feel the back of their leg, their haunches, and go, yep, that's ready. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're live, and I'm sitting there like. Yeah, that's ready. I feel the meat on it, you know. And I've done that with my chickens. I feel the meat on it. That's ready, you know. But that's their purpose. There's nothing wrong with that. that. Yeah, that's their purpose. And I've looked at a cow, and I've and I've looked at their confirmation and and how much meat is on on their legs and their front. And I think to myself, wow, the muscle it looks great. I bet that would. I bet when you dress it out, the it'll it'll look great. You know that that's. I see. You know, I I, I have those thoughts in my head, and I. I it's not it doesn't feel abnormal to me you know it's not abnormal it's actually honest right so i can talk all day long about marinating meat and and cooking meat which i do very little i cook it like blue rare um i cook it as close to when you're looking at it as 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 i think is is still safe to eat um but i mean i i can talk all day long about meat i can talk all day long about you know, protein levels and, 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 and especially marinating and all that, and how you can marinate it overnight and rosemary. And uh, I, I mean, I have an entire episode where I just talk about marinating meat and, and cooking it and eating it and what to pair it with and all that stuff. But then when it comes to like when it was still alive and when it's time to kill it and, and, and butcher it, I'm like, 
you know, I mean, I can talk about where the cuts of meat come from, but I'm not going to be nearly as comfortable talking about, like when you were talking about the bolt gun and stuff and I'm like, all right. Like, I mean, again, and, and, and I'm someone that isn't like, you know, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a, I'm not an animal rights activist, but even still I'm like, man, that's something that I, I could have gone the rest of my life without knowing. Um, um, but yet I couldn't do all the stuff I'm doing if that wasn't done to it. Right. Like, I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, and I've, I've done two different, now the method of, method of dispatch, and they call it dispatch and killing, butchering, whatever. Okay. The method I, that I use is, uh, is cervical dislocation, and they call it the broomstick method. And so with the broomstick method, now it's going to sound a little, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, I, you know, it bothers me, but it is what it is. So basically what you do is you can, you can take a stick or you take a broomstick or whatever, and um, you put the animal's neck under it right at the base of the skull. You quickly step on it. You pull. That's that's it. And their neck is instantly broken. They are literally. Oh, like down gone. on the ground. The the. I'm, I'm confused. So you're putting the it down on the ground and then putting the stick over it. You put the yeah, you put the stick down. You put the stick down on the ground. You, you take the animal. You slip their their head under the broom. OK. Um, yeah, you slip their head under the broom. Like this is the broom. This is I'm the holding my head. neck while you're saying this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you split their head under there, and then you quickly step onto the broom. You have their back legs, and you pull, and they're gone. That's it. It's cervical dislocation, and, and it's pretty much based off the the fact that you know, like if you were in a really terrible car accident, and you and you separated the joint, the the bones in your neck between your spine and your neck, you're either dead. Or you are fully paralyzed. Right, right, right. And so it's the same thing with an animal. They die on. They die literally at the first tug. And that's my preferred way of doing it because I know for a fact that they don't feel anything. Right. Because once you are cervically dislocated, you can't feel anything from the back. And then the other thing is that I do an eye check. And so what I do if this is their eye, I press on their eye. If their eye doesn't react, I know that they're gone, that the brain function's just not there. So they are just instantly gone. That's the way that I've done it because I've done the, they have another one where you put that, you can put them in a cone and you do it by draining blood. Now it's supposed to be really, really uh, nice because when you just drain their blood, they're supposed to be just going unconscious. I've done it and I didn't like it. I thought I felt that the animal was suffering. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I because, like the idea of like, bang, it's dead. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it I'm, is bang, it's dead. And the same thing with a gun. Now, the first time I did the the blood the bloodletting, whatever they call it, is I put it was the rooster and I put him in the cone, and I had went ahead and slashed his throat, and he jumped out the cone, and he was clearly very alive. He didn't move because his his uh you know when you lose blood you become weak right but right. i watched you know, i watched him just kind of sag he's just like Ooh. and i was like i don't like that yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> I yeah didn't no, like that... because, you know that it was clear that he was suffering to me he was suffering and so yeah. i said well, i need to find a different way to do this and so i started doing the cervical dislocation method and it, and i didn't have to tug hard or anything it's just boom gone yeah that to and me seems I, you know, it was like i knew for a fact that they didn't feel a thing and so, yeah, I, I, and so that's the way that I've done it since then. And so 
that way makes me most comfortable. And I know for a fact they don't feel it. The other way that I would feel comfortable doing it is if I was doing a pig or a uh, or a cow or something, um, it would be by gun. And you just you put the gun, you put it either in the front or the back, and they're also instantly gone with that. That's the yeah, yeah. You blood. shoot That's someone in the brain, it's gone. over. Right, right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are ways to do it. You know, a lot of people, you know, people's grandmas and grandpas, you should just put them on a block and get them, get their butcher, butcher and knife and boom. Gone. Right. Right. You know, that, that's an instant. Uh, there was a video that was going viral on Facebook for a long time. And I actually ended up seeing it today. Someone shared it and I saw it today. Um, they had, this was a huge Yorkshire pig and it, it, this was obviously in a different country. There was a guy in the back who was rubbing his butt and the other guy in front who had a giant sword. <laughs> he picked up this heavy sword and boom, separated his head <laughs> oh, from wow. the body. I'm the pig instantly gone. Pig had no idea, obviously. I'm the pig had no idea what was going to happen. Right, and right, once right. It's off and you're gone, you know? That's yeah, I mean... like the most ethical kill there is. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm a tough one with this because I'm hearing these things and I'm like, eh, just let me know when it's been cut up and I can marinate it. Um, But but it is what it is. And and I have to, you have to, you have to, um, you have to make peace with it. Like, and and if you don't want to do it, that's fine as well. But you have to recognize that someone's not an evil, terrible, you know, murderer because of, of whatever. They're just, they are they're they're okay with doing to pigs uh uh ducks chickens rabbits you know whatever what you're okay with doing to all of the animals that get displaced for your for your for your uh you know fruit farms and also with you know all the the billions of insects that have to die so that you can eat on a regular basis so it is what it is not even they have come to not even they have come to acceptance of the fact that they do it they 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 haven't come to the acceptance oh they're in total denial yeah yeah they're still they are still in denial about that i don't know if it's because i don't know why exactly why people are in such intense denial about the reality of the situation um and and even still so many of them will go around saying that the vegan diet is for everyone but it's not no it's not unfortunately it's not for people with crohn's disease and you know they can't do it they can't do it for people with eczema like me i've been able to manage my eczema pretty good by adding more meat to my diet i feel better adding more meat to my diet make to 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 do eczema you know my skin feels better my you know my hair looks better um for a lot of people you know there's actually a lot of people who are recently leaving veganism uh i watched a debate between two vegans and and two people who are part of a carnivore diet they're not doing keto they're actually doing a full carnivore where they eat nothing but meat yeah um you look at Uh, jordan peterson's doing that right Oh, he's he's on a ketogenic diet, I think. Oh, I thought he was just on Joe Rogan talking about. I'm not was... sure if it's carnivore or ketogenic. He's on. okay. Yeah, because okay. With keto diet, you can't. You can eat some plants. With carnivore, you don't eat any plants. Yeah, he had said he switched, so he was doing just meat and greens, and now he's just doing meat. He and his daughter okay. are both just doing meat. Okay. Yeah, his daughter has a lot has arthritic issues, and she's yep. been able to treat that you just eating meat i think that's amazing yeah yeah um and so 
and even depression. Both of them have solved their depression issues by eating meat, which is, I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, the, there were these, these two people, you know, it was carnivores versus vegans who are arguing on YouTube and the, the literal difference between the way that they look at you, the way that they, their skin looked, the way that they even sat in their chair. Right. You know, one of the vegans that was already is a guy named Vegan Gains. The dude is mentally unstable, very, he has mental issues, very clear mental issues. Uh, he threatens regular people on the daily. Um, he, he just recently posted a video where he was licking his wife's toes. And so I, you know... When I see vegans acting like that, it really makes me not want to be a vegan. <laughs> so, and then there was the other guy who was who was debating, and uh, you know, his eyes sunken in, skin very pale, hair messed up, and you know, just you know, there, you know, the the background in his room is kind of a blue tinge color thing you would literally imagine depressed hell to look like, and so. Why would I want that for myself? Right. Why would you know? And also, you know, studies are showing that vegans tend to have more depressive issues because they are constantly focused on this idea that everything around them is nothing but suffering. And so, well, and that, it, and that, all of their, their almost nine, you know, ninety nine percent of mankind or ninety five percent or whatever are these terrible people that just want you know massive destruction. Sure. That would be depressing. Or part of this animal holocaust. You know, you you center your life around that. And I can see where the problem with depression in these communities is coming. That would be up. incredibly I, depressing. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly depressing. I mean, you look in a lot of <clears throat> these these uh, self loathing Nietzsche, you know, ideas. Um, that's that's intense amount of self self loathing. Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, I what what do they call it? There's it's not Nietzsche. It's called something else. But um, oh, not nihilism. 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 nihilism yeah. 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 Nihilism. I mean, that's an intense amount of self-loathing where yeah. you believe that everything around you is just suffering. There's no reason to exist. There's no value in existing. You yourself don't have, doesn't have no any purpose value. to life. Right. Right. No purpose to life. And like I said before, that goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Lack of purpose in life leads people to live these very depressive, angry lives. And, right. and personally to me, when I see people like Ingrid Newkirk is the head of PETA. She says some ridiculous things. I mean, just ridiculous things. She says, that, you know, she's she's the one who supports uh, euthanizing animals because she doesn't believe that they that they uh, belong in the hands of people. Right. Well, she has a very nihilist view in life yep. where not even these animals lives are valuable enough to just let them live, that everything around them is self-loathing. So what does she do? Just kill them. Yep. You know, just it's being around thing. people is worse than being yeah. dead basically yeah exactly <laughs> being around people is just this and it, that's just it's just intense um it's an intense form of misanthropy yeah and, and oh yeah it, yeah, it's yeah yeah really scary i mean misanthropy is at an all-time high in my opinion yeah i, I can't mean, wait to yeah no i mean when you hear it, veganism seems to go hand in hand with this or often not always but often with this concept that humans are a type of parasite and we get compared yeah. to parasites. Uh, only only humans and parasites do damage to their environment. Only humans and parasites, da 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 da. And they ignore quite a bit that humans also do that parasites don't do. Um, and and they also ignore that 
humans aren't the only things that cause displacement of other animals. There are animals that, I mean, you, you look at all the, all the work that has to be done in parks to make sure that deers don't overrun, you know, deer don't overrun an area because it, it hurts, um, you know, it, it hurts the balance of things or that they'll add wolves to an area to help keep certain things right. down because that allows, and I, I, I'm not an expert on this, but that ecosystems no, can no, be, no, I... go ahead. Uh, you're right. Uh, like you, like you're talking about. I mean, they add wolves into specific areas. I mean, Yellowstone, they'll either add wolves or they're cull wolves in Yellowstone right. to keep elk and deer populations up or down. I mean, they do things. Coyotes are a year-round hunt. You can hunt coyotes anytime you want because coyotes right. breed so quickly. Wild boar—that's an invasive species. Yep. And yep. I mean, you tell people these vegans don't want you to hunt wild boar. And you try to explain them, well, if we don't hunt the wild boar, you don't get your cabbage. So, you know, they, they eat, they will eat your, they eat crops. They, yeah, they, they eat, they're, they're, they're herbivores, right. Yep. Yeah. Are, they're, they're, are they herbivores or omnivores? They're omnivores. Oh, okay. They will, in fact, they will, in fact, kill and eat baby deer. So yeah. they hurt the deer population as well. And, and, you know, same thing with coyotes. If if only people saw the damage that coyotes do right. to, to laboring cows, cows who are in labor. I mean... I've seen some terrible pictures. There's one where um, a cow is in labor and the coyotes got to the cow before the farmer could. And so the cow, the coyotes had literally eaten this baby while it was coming out of the mother. And uh, it was awful. I mean, it it was absolutely, there's a picture mother didn't make it. So it it was really awful. Um, But they think that they don't understand that, 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 you know, nature is not this this kind mistress to everything new, new, new. and so yeah and so you know they don't want they don't want they think okay like you were talking about with um with they believe that the environment will balance itself out without people i don't understand this argument though because humans are part of the environment what if we are the balance what if we cause what if we're here to cause that to to, to create that balance to help facilitate the balance we live on the, you know, layered remains of entire families of species that cease to exist long before anything even resembling a human. I'm not a, I don't know if you are, I'm not a young earth creationist. I believe in at least a certain level of evolution. And I do think that humans came from the great apes and that the reason, and then bringing back in meat, the reason that we're that we evolved into what we are is because we ate animals unlike most of the other great apes that mostly ate plants. And so that allowed our, our brains to grow or whatever. But my, my point to all that is long before anything that even closely resembled a human walked this earth, there were trillions of animals that died to, you know, they were victims of nature. <laughs> so, you know, this yeah. idea that, and we're part of nature. I mean, we are what we are. So the idea that we suddenly came up and everything got screwed up and now there's no more balance. I mean, we certainly do our fair share of problems and there's things that we can learn and, and progress with pollution and things like that. But this idea that we're parasites is a lot of, like you said, self-hatred and self-loathing. But we're, we're closing in on our, on our third hour. And so I just want to oh give God, you... Really? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's it's just it's been a great up. It's been a great interview. I've had an awesome time. But yeah. uh, in interest of my wife's sanity... Uh, I am going to start to uh, close this out and I just want to give you a chance. Thank you again for coming on, by the way. I'm, I'm definitely going to want to have you on again so we can have another three hour yes, episode. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. And, but I just want to give you a chance uh, to give any final thoughts, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, any upcoming, anything you want to talk about. The floor is yours. 
Um, uh, just final thoughts. You know, I, w- I would tell you guys when it when it comes to food, since it's you know this is about the farming thing. When I when it comes to food, it's really important for you guys to just instead of believing that everything when with your food is bad, even if you're buying it from the grocery store, right? It's really important to 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 research and look behind. I mean, there are a lot of companies out there that are actually you know doing really well when it comes to giving you either localized food or very transparent food. And even if it doesn't seem like transparent, like you're getting it from a big company, look into who is, you know, making that food. There's a lot of propaganda out there right now that's making dairy farmers look like they hurt their their cows or that they hate their cows or that they kill calves all the time. Right. A lot of propaganda going on that said, that's telling people that beef cattle and pigs are living in dirt and muck 24-7. The United States has one of the best animal welfare laws in the entire world. So likelihood is, is that you are getting an animal that isn't being abused, that isn't, you know, living in dirt all the time, but it is up to you and it is your responsibility to research and look into where you are, what, how, where you're buying your animals from and look into the face of who's growing your food and who is growing your vegetables in particular, because a lot of people are doing backbreaking work uh, with very low wages, basically slave labor at right. this point to produce things like your bananas and your strawberries and your avocados. You, and all you guys eating avocados, <laughs> who's, who's growing your avocados? Cause that's a lot of it's slave labor. And so, uh, you know, just, just research and, you know, follow me on Patty politics. That's on Facebook. I also have a Minds account. I have a Gab account um, and I have a YouTube as well. Um, you know, next year, I'm hoping to get a whole bunch of videos out. It's going to be a new year with new stuff and doing new things. And so I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day and week. And I really hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast because I enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. And all of your links, your uh, website, your Facebook, your YouTube, your Gab, your Minds, uh, all of that's in the links uh, on the episode, whether you're watching this on uh, on Facebook or on YouTube or whether you are listening to this on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, a bunch of other ones. However you're hearing this, you're, you the, the links there are uh, are available for you. So again, Patty, thank you so much for joining me. I had a blast and um, and, and thank you. If, you. if you can stick around, I'm going to talk to you during the outro. Um, but thank you yeah. again for coming. I, I hope to have you on soon. Thank you, and I'm honored to be here. I hope to. I hope I will be on soon. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was an honor to have you on. And next time, I will make sure that I will press send and that it actually gets through to you. Um, because <laughs> okay. that was again, I was like, man, she just doesn't doesn't care. And and I finally I went on. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just never sent it. Um, so that made me feel better that day. But um, anyway, so yeah, thank you again. And um, guys, thank you again for joining us on My Fellow Americans. Um, we had a lot of fun. For those of you who watched all three hours, you were the real ones. And, uh, and yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the goats. Um, but um, so tune in tomorrow for the writer's block where Matt Wright is interviewing. I have it right here. He is interviewing Matthew Coulter Hurt with the Grassroots Leadership Academy of the Americans for Prosperity. Uh, join us uh, next week on Tuesday, New Year's Day. Have Oh, by the way, have a great New wow. Year's Eve. Yeah, I know. 
Isn't that scary? <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so uh, uh, New Year- so have a great New Year's Eve, and then join us on Tuesday night, uh, New Year's night, where we will talk about all of the things that have happened over the last two weeks, actually, because we didn't have a Christmas episode. So check us out there on the Muddied Waters of Freedom with me and Matt Wright. And then check me out, me, Spike Cohen. Check me out again next Wednesday, the 2nd. I will be interviewing Kareem El-Sayed in what is no doubt going to be the at least tied with my interview with Muhammad for the best entirely Semite episode that we've had on uh, on on uh, My Fellow Americans. Um, but yeah, thank you again for joining us tonight. Uh, join uh, Matt on tomorrow night. Join us next Tuesday and then join me again here on Wednesday. Have a great week. Uh, great week. Have a great uh, a happy New Year's. Can't wait to see you in 2019 and God bless you. Thank you.